This is the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Precious. It's a podcast it is. By the fans, for the fans, they say. Precious has never heard of fans before. Gollum! Gollum! It's hosted by filthy hobbitses named Ben and Zack. But what about me? What about the Precious? Well, you'll just have to come join us on IPC. Welcome to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. With your hosts, Ben Hart and Zach Arnold. Co-starring you, the fans. Sponsored by Channel 1138. Welcome to everyone who is joining us on IPC. This is the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. You're listening to episode 177 discussing, well, you probably could have guessed it by that intro music, The Lord of the Rings. And we're going to talk about that intro in just a couple of minutes, but first we're going to introduce some very, very awesome people who are going to be joining us on this discussion. I definitely can't do it alone. For those of you who are new to the show, my name is Zach. Thank you for choosing to spend the next little while with us. And joining me, as he always does, it's my friend, it's my co-host, it's Mr. Benjamin Hart. Oh, man. I have been so looking forward to this. I know you guys have been looking forward to this. We've been teasing it for a long time. It's finally here and I cannot wait to dive into our discussion topic tonight. Dude, this is something that took us 176 episodes, but I think it was worth the freaking wait. Oh, yes. My gosh. Oh, my gosh. But we can't do it alone. A, a movie of this magnitude and something this amazing should not be discussed amongst just two people. So, back from the Justice League fiasco, we decided to give him another chance, and uh, we actually brought in an accountability partner for him as well, but we'll get to that in just a second. Here to talk about The Lord of the Rings with us, it's our good friend from Channel 1138. He's been just about everywhere on all those shows. It's Mr. Jake Damon. How's it going, guys? I'm I'm I just got done watching VeggieTales' finest uh, <laughs> installment, The Lord of the Beans. I'm ready to talk about some vegetables walking around. Uh, what's it called? Middle Middle something? Middle ground? I think is what they call middle, it. Middle ground? Yeah. <laughs> I'm dude. I'm ready for a fantasy tale with a Christian spin. Dude. Okay. <laughs> Gonna pause for just a second there because. My family grew up on VeggieTales, and I can honestly say that Lord of the Beans is one of the funniest and most accurate parody episodes they ever made. It's fantastic. It's flipping amazing. Like, we we could do, like, a spinoff episode just talking about the Lord of the Beans, probably. <laughs> because it's really, really 
funny. I mean, Junior Asparagus playing the role of Toto Baggy Pants instead of Frodo <laughs> Baggins. It makes me laugh every time. It makes me laugh every time. So, yeah, we could talk about that maybe one of these days. But that's not what we're going to have the opportunity to do tonight. So in comes the accountability partner to keep him on the straight and narrow. He's making his first ever appearance on the IPC podcast. It's his brother. We've got two Damons on the podcast tonight. Let's see how Uh this goes. It's Mr. Andy Damon. How are you tonight, man? I'm doing really well. How are you? And let me just call you out, Jake, as your accountability partner. Um, I think you uh, rented the wrong movie at uh, Blockbuster. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. this is not VeggieTales. This is The Lord of the Rings, the best trilogy ever made, in my opinion. Wait, Whoa, wait, big wait. claims. You've, got, you've, you've still got Blockbuster out there by you? Oh, my goodness. There's like six of them back what? there. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, wow. we, go, we go once a week to one, pick, out, yeah, a, pick a out a couple of VHSs, and we're ready for the weekend. Okay, see, the only thing I go to around here is uh, is this thing called Hollywood Video. You guys remember that? Oh, okay. oh man. Oh, we had we had one in our in our hometown. Did uh, we? Olean. We did. Yeah, you guys. Yeah. We haven't been to Olean in years. You guys last. Are, you guys are lucky. Uh, the only thing I have around here is Redbox. <laughs> I mean, Redbox is like, you well, know, yeah, that's modern, right. modern it's, day It's block. not, it doesn't replace Blockbuster. It doesn't replace it video stores. It, oh, my goodness. I mean, it, it has like just a few of the new movies. It doesn't substitute the idea of walking up and down the aisles and looking at all the stuff that maybe you've seen before or something that you've seen as a kid or something that you own and you just laugh and you point at it like, ha ha. Like, no, mm. but I, I like that element of things. I, I'm all for digital stuff, but I love the feeling of going down, you know, like Best Buy, the movie aisle, and mm. just looking and yep. like being able to buy something and put it on a shelf. Yep. You know, same thing with books. I love going to Barnes and Noble and touching the pages. Like, I sound like a psychopath, but I love it. Yeah, I loved going yeah, into the, like the stores, and you see sometimes they have the video games. And you know, back when I was going oh, into video stores, ew. they'd have Nintendo sixty four, or you know, even even whoa, farther back whoa. than that. You you old man, yeah, old. yeah, yeah. So grandpa, you know, they have the what was it, the X Wing Rogue Squadron games, and you know, I didn't have, yeah. I never got, I never got a Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> so um, you know, I just look at them, and then uh, and then they, they at some points they'd have like sales, like you could like. They would like you get could rid buy of the games or the movies. Yeah, yeah. You like they would get they yeah. would like get to a point where they need to get rid of like really old stuff or stuff they don't need anymore. And then you could just get like movies and stuff for like super cheap. So, yep. Man, yeah. They when need the to bring them when back. the Hollywood video, when the Hollywood video in my hometown started going out of business because of the advent of DVDs, they did a cleaning house clearance sale. And literally every movie in the store, every VHS that they had in the store was two dollars. Oh wow, that's hmm. amazing! Oh my god! So you brought a box and you just like raked all wait, of wait, them wait. in. Wait, singular, like, singular, dude. We brought like <laughs> totes. We brought like plastic totes and bought like two up a dump truck. boxes worth of VHSs and stuff, man. Yes, sir. Have... I would like all of them. All of them are it's... mine. Oh, man. See, my parents gave us, like, a $20 budget or something like that, so we got to go around and pick out 10 movies that we wanted for ourselves. And yeah, that was one of the awesome. best days of my life. It was like Christmas 2.0. It was amazing. <laughs> you, you know how, uh, like, hipsters and, I mean, you could just be a music lover, but they're, they're buying uh, record players? 
and just buying records to play on them, which I know you can buy in stores and stuff. Do you think there's any appeal for like buying old, uh, what do you call them, VCRs and playing VHS tapes? Probably not. Because I I don't know. There's I feel like there's just this like grittiness to it that I feel like drives people away. <laughs> no, that, that people would like. I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> That was a nice blast from the past, and here's 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 my tie-in. Here's my connection. This movie is so old; it probably used to exist on blockbuster shelves. Yeah. Oh my. Hmm. That that. What is it? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. It came out in two thousand one, so there's a very good chance because I remember DVDs kind of became a thing probably around the two thousand seven ish time. Oh six oh seven. That's when they really started taking the world by storm. And this movie came out in 2001. So there's a wow. very, very good chance that the Fellowship of the Ring was maybe one of those two VHS back-to-back things that you would be able to borrow. And the first half would finish mm. up, and then you'd have to, like, change it out and, and put in the second <laughs> one in order to see what happens to the rest of the, of the film. Because it's that long, too. It's two hours Flip and 58 minutes. Yeah, you got, well, mm, not even side B. It's just video two or video B or something like that. <laughs> Man, like in uh, like the Titanic, like, the, like the, I was just gonna say, that. like the Titanic was, yeah. And um, it's a mad, 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 mad world was that way. And what's the other one? Pride and Prejudice was also a two yep. VHS. So there were there were a lot of movies back in the day that you had to have two VHSs for. Big chance you could find that double VHS of Titanic at your local Goodwill. Probably they made a lot of them, and now everybody has the DVD. But if you want to go on a nostalgia trip. Well, keep listening to this, and maybe go <laughs> find a local Goodwill, see what you can find out there. But, uh, guys, before we go any further, we've we've done our introductions, we've had our, our little icebreaker. I, I'm still geeking out about our new intro. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to lie. Ever since I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I really need to give credit where credit is due because, no, we did not get in touch with Andy Serkis and, you know, convinced him to read this little bit for us. And then we send him a couple hundred dollars. IPC is not that rich. We're not that famous. But we do have connections to someone who I believe is very, very up and coming, has a lot of potential because it literally sounds like the Gollum character from Lord of the Rings who was voiced by Andy Serkis. But it wasn't Andy Serkis who did this voice. It was our very own Andy Damon. My gosh, man, hats off to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Wow. He's been practicing for Many, hours. many hours in the shower. I, I believe it. <laughs> you're, you're holding the, the shower head up to, your, up to your mouth, and you're just practicing your Gollum mm-hmm. voice. While anybody else, any other normal person in the shower is probably singing along to Taylor Swift or Beyonce or somebody like oh, that. Oh, I'm doing that too. I'm doing that too. You do both at the same oh, time? I, at, the, at the same time. At the man. same time. The same, That's what, okay, I've got to hear this. Singing all the single ladies as Gollum. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> oh, the single ladies, precious. Got him. Got him. That's the best I got. Okay. I okay, just, I'm going to actually... I just envision I, the Damon household, you know, someone's taking a shower, and you hear, you know, muffled, My precious! 
and they're like, <laughs> Andy, my precious, drop the soap, precious. <laughs> that is exactly what happens. It's not even an exaggeration. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. So now that you all have this understanding that it's one of the voices here on the podcast, we're actually going to play the intro a second time. And Ben, I hope this doesn't trip you up too much oh, no. for for <laughs> any, for like anything that goes on. But you know, we're going to take an, a, a thirty seconds and let you have another listen to this because oh my gosh, I get chills when I hear my name <laughs> from the Gollum voice. Hosted by Ben and Shark. I was like, oh my gosh, a demon is trying to summon me. <laughs> it was brilliant. So, oh my gosh, everybody, have another quick listen to Andy's phenomenal job with our new intro. Because uh, I just, I can't play it enough. And great editing by Jake. It. Yes, it was. Yes, oh, oh, what an editor. It Good was. Job, it was. You guys make a great tandem. You you should uh, You should collaborate more often, but... Here it is one more time, folks. Have a really good listen to this one. This is the Intergalactic Peace Coalition, Precious. It's a podcast it is. By the fans, for the fans, they say. Precious has never heard of fans before. Gollum! Gollum! It's hosted by filthy hobbitses named Ben and Zack. But what about me? What about the Precious? Well... You'll just have to come join us on IPC. Oh my gosh. Ah. <laughs> I love that I'm hosting tonight because I have monitoring on for our uh, our playlist options and I can hear everything. So I get to listen to it. I don't just like watch the little scroll bar go across until the time runs out. I'm like, yes. Oh, yes. I... Oh, man, I can't get enough of that. We could just do a whole episode of just me pushing repeat on that. Just play, 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 <laughs> play. But uh, that would detract from the conversations that we're looking to have about this movie. And the really cool thing is we've got a lot of different milestones, a lot of different progressions as far as fandom and interest and things like that goes on this. Because we've got people who, like Andy, it's their favorite franchise of all time. And then you got people like Jake and I who really, really love this movie for all kinds of different reasons. And then you've got people like Ben uh-huh. who are just experiencing it for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Rented it mm-hmm. on YouTube just so he could watch it <laughs> and talk about it here on the podcast. That, my friend, is dedication, let me tell you. So, Ben, I want to I wanna lead off with you at least talking about you know, this movie as a whole, having seen it for the very first time now, what do you make of Peter Jackson's epic? I definitely understand where people are coming from when they say it's the greatest movie of all time or their most favorite movie of all time and all that jazz. Like it's 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 just this entity. It's it's this thing where it's it takes so long. It's so, there's so much world building in just this one movie. I mean, this movie takes a while. Not that I don't might, might say that as a criticism, but it it takes a while to get going. Like it really, like I feel like the story really doesn't like pick up and like oh we're here and these things have finally come together until you like get to the council thing and you like here's the fellowship of the ring and this is this is happening. You see all these characters and I am going into this. I. I'm vaguely familiar with this. I've seen part of the next movie that we're going to talk about next week, but I have never seen this one. I'm vaguely familiar with all the characters, so I know, like, 
okay, someone, they're going to show up at some point. I was expecting Aragorn. I'm like, okay, there he is. Like, this is starting to come together. Like, I'm expecting all these things to happen, but it's really interesting how it takes, like, I feel like a normal movie would have just started at the council thing. But no, they go all the way back, and it's just this slow burn of a world building and introducing you to these characters and you know taking the time just had all the time you have with with Bilbo and you know Gandalf and the hut and stuff like that like you just keep going and going and going and it's all about helping you understand this really just such a dense and fascinating world a universe that is just so so heavy and just so deep and throughout this movie you're seeing all these different realms and stuff like that and this full of all these different people and really really just and you want to learn more and that's what I come out of this movie coming out I'm like I want to see where this goes because I I honestly like I I I have I'm like I said I've seen this I'm vaguely familiar I get all the memes that was one of the big surprises for me was <laughs> man they packed all the memes into the first movie like you know it was one cannot simply one walk into mortar like i didn't know that one was actually going to be in this movie i know the other ones were going to be in this movie it's crazy so and of course they you know memes were around back in 2001 i don't think but uh it's amazing <laughs> that it all came around to that but yeah it's just like i i'm genuinely like i don't i and it feels weird this movie is 17 years old i have wow. no idea where or it's it's yeah, seventeen. You have seventeen. That that's crazy to me. I remember two thousand one. All right, seventeen years ago. That's not right. That's just not right. Come on, I feel old. Um, it it makes you feel really old, but at the same time, it also reminds you how timeless this movie is. And really, like, I mean, like I can see in a few places where the CGI feels a bit like early two thousand ones. Like it, 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 but and it's a little sketchy. But for the most part, like it, it looks amazing. Like barely, barely. But barely. I think I think credit to it is they try and minimize it as much as they can and use a lot of costuming. Oh yeah, like the orc, like the orc and the goblins and the urukai. They're all the only costumed. the only CGI that you see is the the faraway shots. You yeah. don't get yeah. you don't yeah. get like zoom in and and this is what they do in modern films and Star Wars whatever you have CGI creatures that are front and center. There's no CGI that's up close and personal with the camera. It's all way far off. And the only scenes like I kind of noticed it, but like I'm gonna give it a pass anyway. Like it's not bothering me because that was top of the line back then. Like we've come a long way from then. Like that was amazing it still looks fine and it's just that's just the way it is movies are the product of their time they're made in you can't criticize it for that but like it still looks amazing it still looks great it's still very very passable but it's not in this big way it's just like oh there's these giant overhead shots and there's so many so many of these expansive shots they take full advantage of their filming locations and oh just you know, show yes. you, they pull back mm-hmm. and they show you the characters that are like dots just walking across. And you see this ex- expansive stuff. And you can tell it's not CGI. Wherever I don't know all where they shot this from. But, I mean, it just looks absolutely breathtaking. A majority of it was in New Zealand, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Filmed yeah. on location yeah. in New Zealand. They yeah. had, I believe, I want to say they had uh, 14 locations. That's what the 
um, special feature set, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Ben, you're talking about how it's not, like, up close and personal with the CG and stuff. That, I mean, definitely in Fellowship of the Ring, I would say that's very true. Maybe, I mean, the cave troll scene is in Fellowship, right? It is. Yeah. 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 Um, but when you get to the two towers and you start seeing Gollum mm-hmm. up close, I know we're not talking about oh, that you're movie right. yet, but <laughs> one of the, still, one of the greatest CGI mm-hmm advancements like it, it holds up like I, oh absolutely it, that that sucker looks real like i put it up next to the t-rex in jurassic park he's the stuff of nightmares yeah yeah. i, I was uh, watching anyway. this movie going oh gollum I, I i completely forgot about gollum <laughs> and then i was kind of looking forward to like oh is he gonna show up like you know when, where is he gonna be and then mm-hmm. he doesn't like he's kind of hiding around in the yeah shadows, he's not mm-hmm. like they, there's one scene where he's like oh he's been following us but you don't actually see him you see him kind of shadowy mm-hmm. and you know i i had yeah. no idea like i was expecting like after i watched the movie like oh right gollum didn't show up in this one that was interesting um but yeah. you know i'm looking forward to the next one and just seeing because i like i said i've seen bits and pieces of these movies but like i don't know where it goes so no spoilers mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 no spoilers, but it, it'll all make sense. And I think that's one of the cool things, one of the greatest things that I can praise about this this, uh, this trilogy as a whole is the world building helps the storytelling so, so much oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because everything begins to make sense. You follow a lot of different characters. I mean, obviously, when when Fellowship finishes, when this first movie finishes – you have Frodo and Sam going one place. You've got Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli going another place. You've got Gandalf seemingly out of the picture. You've got Saruman. You've got Sauron. You've got, you know, who else? Uh, Pippin and Sam. Uh, Pippin and Mary. Sorry. Pippin and Mary got kidnapped. <laughs> uh, it would be interesting if it was Pippin and Sam. I don't think they would have played off each other quite as well as Pippin and Mary did. <laughs> but... You know, it's it's splintered. The fellowship that came together in this movie also broke apart. And so now in the Two Towers, you're going to be following a lot of these different storylines that they helped build with this movie. And yet mm-hmm. at the same time, it wasn't like this movie was all filler. You know how sometimes no. one of those one of those early stage movies can feel like it's just building up for the bigger and the better and whatnot. They tell a lot of really really great stories in this movie. The yeah, the interactions it... between Bilbo and Gandalf, the interactions between Frodo and Sam, the meeting of Strider, like there there are a mm-hmm. lot of really really great stories that get interwoven in this first movie and that's part of what makes it so solid. I I would say that anything that isn't like tied to the plot directly is stuff that is you know what most people call quote unquote filler. It's it's little pockets of of scenes that are are used to enhance characters and make them more interesting and add depth to who they who they are you know what i'm saying it's like the different i mean these movies are very long and in being as long as they are you have a lot more time to give to characters to make them more interesting unlike you know like your average hour and a half movie where you kind of have to 
pack everything in and cut things out and stuff. The thing with a TV show is that you have as much time as you need to build up characters and make them interesting. And I feel like this these movies have enough time dedicated to them in order to to make these characters some of the most beloved in movie history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I would definitely agree with that. I would, I would also say that I think about 40% of the reason I love these movies and this trilogy in general is simply because of the attention to detail. Um, people who have watched it and have watched special features know that What a Workshop was behind the majority, if not all, of the production of armor, the production of like every set piece that you see is all Weta Workshop, and they take such great care as to, you know, get down to the meticulous detail. And that's why I love these movies so much is because, you know, you haven't heard Bilbo say six words yet, but just by panning through his hallway, you can tell that he's lived a long time. You can tell that he, you know, loves books. He loves reading. He loves to write he loves weapons, he's been on adventures, he has connections, he has family, uh, he's got a past, you know, and it's like, you get attached to these characters, and I think that's why Peter Jackson, you know, did such a great job at this, because his direction and his leadership through the whole thing was just he had a, He fantastic. had a, an amazing grasp on what he wanted this movie and this world to mm-hmm. be, and like, mm-hmm. such a good team behind yeah. it to execute it. True. Like, it, there's there was a, there's a very specific like feel to this token universe mm-hmm. and I I don't I don't see how you could imagine it any differently. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's been executed differently in the past with like the the animated ones from what the 80s or the 70s, 70s. Um, 70s which are, you know, really borderline like horror. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I can't imagine that world any other way. Sure than the way Peter Jackson. Yeah, it, that's the other thing is that I wanted to point out is that I so I, I grew up on the extended edition and through the extended <laughs> edition I listened to a lot of and watched a lot of you know behind the scenes and stuff and um, in an interview that Viggo Mortensen did whose character played uh, Aragorn he said multiple times that they would keep stacks of the novels just around the set so that people who didn't know something or people who wanted to just have something to read or you know what's in the scene how does he say it what's the inflection and how he says it what's the details behind it they would just go and pick up a book and read it you know they didn't have to ask somebody they didn't have to like wow. have some debate and stuff they had actual copies everywhere so they could take right from wow. J.R.R. Tolkien's you know words and wow. I think that's really really great <laughs> that's how, how you they do are. it that is how you do it oh man mm-hmm. See, that's that's one of the things, and, and I know that we're not going to get to talk about the literary aspect of things as much as we would like to. Hopefully, in ensuing episodes, we'll be able to have some guests on who can help us do some comparisons and contrast between the text and the movies. But we're looking at this one from a purely cinematic perspective. But mm-hmm. for a cinema to have that much respect for the book, that they have multiple copies, not just one or two that the director looks at every now and again, but to have multiple mm-hmm. that the cast and the crew can look at to help visualize Middle Earth for them accurately. That's mm-hmm. just phenomenal. And I think you're right, Andy. I think it really shows because every scene that we go to, every scenario that we go through, it's very different, but always very visually stunning. 
You know, the mm-hmm. things that we see in the Shire are not the same things that we see over in Mordor. They're not the same things that we see in uh, Rivendell. You know, there mm-hmm. there are so many different portions of this movie, and yet all of them still fit together into this one world, mm-hmm. into this one story. Uh, Moria stands out to me, especially having seen the Hobbit movies, which is another thing that we're going to get to talk about one of these days. Having mm-hmm. seen the Hobbit movies and knowing who Balin is, knowing some of the backstory with this incident with the dragon that Gandalf kind of flippantly mentions at the beginning of this movie, mm-hmm. they tie things in to that very well. And I think that's a credit to the, the creation of the Hobbit films. But, you know, to be able to make all of that make sense together... It's just phenomenal, phenomenal storytelling. And honestly, it's one of the complaints that people have had from the galaxy far, far away is that the stories from The Force Awakens into The Last Jedi aren't as cohesive as they could have been. And and they feel like separate individual stories, even though they're happening just moments apart from one another. You know, to be able to transition out of The Hobbit into... Fellowship of the Ring to be able to transition from Fellowship into Two Towers. I know that there's books involved with that, so you have a, an, an idea of where the direction is going. But for things to be that cohesive like that, it's just I don't know. I, I don't have the right adjectives for it. I just really <laughs> admire and appreciate the attention to detail that they have with that. Well, and yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. like I mean, that's the thing is there is so much detail in this universe in this world, whatever you want to call it. Like, I mean, people praise Star Wars for creating a universe that feels like it's real, that it, it could exist, like you could go to this place. Yep. Middle-earth mm-hmm. is the same way. Middle-earth feels, they, they spend so much time, you know, in the Shire. Just in the first part of this movie is just them in the Shire and experiencing, you know, in Bilbo's house, just... You know, seeing what he's up to and seeing him cooking and, you know, entertaining Gandalf and stuff like that and then talking about different things. and then... Try, Trying to stay away from the Sackville Bagginses. <laughs> right. And, you know, going to his 111th birthday party and this big festival and mm-hmm. all these hobbits has come out and, you know, start, you know, having this celebration. Like, it's giving you something that's it... relatable. It's, it's taking something that's very alien and very, like, this is mm-hmm. weird. Like, these are really short people and they got hair they, they they don't wear shoes and they got hair on the top of their foot like they, that's weird but no it's not like it's just normal this is just how this works this is a world these are people that just they just live here and they ha- they have fun and they are you know they are real and that's what sells it, 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 it's it's one of my favorite like i love the the prologue to the movie um yeah the, you know the epic like Galadriel is detailing the history of the ring and Sauron and, yeah. and all these other rings that are uh, given to the different races and stuff. That That is amazing. Uh, one of the best movie intros of all time. But if you chop that off and just focus on the Shire intro, it kind of transitions to this very charming, like, the music and, and the... It's Bilbo kind of... Uh, inner monologue i don't know if it's inner monologue but it's what he's writing he's talking about the shire and the and the hobbits and his culture and stuff and he's explaining it for people reading the book but it's also explaining to the audience who these people are and it is it is one of the 
most like i i always feel good when Mm -hmm. i watch this scene like the whole sequence right up until uh bilbo and gandalf are like uh blowing smoke rings on the hill there no 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 gandalf blows a freaking ship (laughs) yeah he blows a ship ship. (laughs) it's a ship okay it's a ship how how could i forget but anyway it's i i feel like i want to live there i want to be a Mm -hmm. hobbit and live in the shire that's one of my favorite quotes in the fellowship of the ring is when bilbo and fro or sorry wow bilbo (laughs) and uh gandalf are sitting there and they're you know playing with their smoke and um, <laughs> well, that's a way to put he, it he just he looks at it he just looks up into the sky and bilbo is just like gandalf my old friend and it's just like you know this will oh. be a night to remember and it's yeah. like it's just amazing you can pass that even like i the whole party scene that right i guess i would say up until uh frodo or no uh gandalf and bilbo part ways and he mm-hmm. says goodbye yeah my, uh, He's like, my i thought bilbo. up an ending for my book and they lived happily ever after to, to the, the end, end of his days. days. And I'm sure you will. Ugh. Goodbye. So good. So Goodbye. many feels. It's so hard. So, it's so heartwarming. So mm-hmm. Yeah, heartwarming is the perfect way to put it. I, <laughs> any, if I'm in the worst mood I've ever been in, all I have to do is watch the whole Shire introduction. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, life's okay, I guess. <laughs> I, okay, so just, just to give you a reference, I remember we when we were kids, we were like in our, I don't know, I was probably 15, so Jake was 18. Yeah. Um, we were on our way to visit our grandparents, and they lived in New York, and we were driving, I think, eight hours, and we had a laptop in the car, we were watching Lord of the Rings, and Jake paused it right after <laughs> Bilbo says, Gandalf, my old friend, he looks at me and he goes, this is going to be great, and then he just <laughs> starts playing it again, I was like, yes, it is going to be great, just like, that feeling you get, it's like, it was cheesy, but it was like, that's totally correct. Yeah. It wasn't your first time seeing it, but he paused it and no. told you that anyway. <laughs> right? He's like, "This is gonna be great." I was I, like, "I'd yes. seen it at least a million times before that." I was like, "This is gonna be amazing." Yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm, "Yeah." That is oh. amazing. See, that's why I enjoy watching these kinds of movies with people. Is being mm-hmm. able to have moments like that, being able to have experiences like that. About three years ago, I introduced a friend of mine to the Lord of the Rings franchise. He had never mm-hmm. seen it before, and actually, he trashed it for the most part. Whoa! Like what? He, What's this guy's even address? though even though he'd never <laughs> seen it before, he liked to make fun of it and make fun mm-hmm. of me for liking it. And I was like, okay, you know what? If I even if I have to like handcuff you to the chair, <laughs> you will at least Whoa. sit through this first movie. <laughs> and after the first one finished, he was like, "Wait, that's it." And I was like, "Aha! <laughs> uh, I got you. Like, I got you there. Yep, I I reeled him in with this one movie, and that's what this film can do to you. Is it's got mm-hmm. some phenomenal storytelling, some great acting, great direction, great music. Like it's got all these amazing aspects to it. And when all of it is said and done, it still leaves the story wide open enough for you to wonder mm-hmm. what happens next." Yeah, mm-hmm. leaves you wanting more, which is exactly what a good director. I mean, I don't do. see how you could watch this movie and watch Sam and Frodo walk off in the sunset. Basically, like, okay, we're gonna go do this. <laughs> like, this whole movie is talked about is built up the fact that there's these different realms that that Mordor is this terrible, awful, dangerous place, and then mm-hmm. they construct this crew of badasses to protect Frodo and take him to Mordor. And then, well, badasses plus Pippin. 
Yeah. They, what are you well, talking about? Don't trash Pippin. Pippin's they all, great. Ow. They all separate it. They all separate into different groups at one point. But if you think about it, this movie, from a certain perspective, ends on a, a literal. Question. I mean, it's like it. It feels very Empire Strikes Backy in a way. <laughs> strikes backy. That I mean, Empire Strikes. Backy. I love that word. I just made up a new term. You can use that anytime you backy. like. Just quote me. Um, but I mean, it's very like you know this kind of somber thing and very heartwarming. But at the same time, like yeah. it's like Frodo is all this this movie. He's feeling the weight of this. He's just a kid. He's feeling the weight of this this whole thing that his his his, his Bilbo put on himself on there. And you know Bilbo's crying about. I'm so sorry for doing this to you, but you know you're in mm. up to your 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 head now. So you have to go through with this. And Bilbo takes on and says, I'm going to go alone. I'm not even taking Sam. And then Sam's like, the hell you are. I told, <laughs> I told Gandalf I'd go with you, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. We need to talk about the loyalty of Samwise Gamgee. It knows no <laughs> bounds. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. He's more loyal than most dogs, okay? <laughs> like, oh, my Our first gosh. dog was named Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Our very first dog was named Sam. <laughs> No uh, joke. Okay. Um, was he named after Samwise? No. no. There was no connection there. Okay. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think so, but I was like You guys really could have been though. You guys are so interested in this franchise that was like an outside chance that maybe that could have been uh, And we named our cat Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just man. kidding. No. Oh, Okay, I, see. I will, see, I love Lord of the Rings, but I would never go as far as to name like a family member like Gandalf. I, I want to get a Gandalf gold, the Grey Cat. I want to get a goldfish and name him Sauron. <laughs> Look, Frodo. Frodo is probably a way better name than most of the baby names I've heard nowadays. People, people yeah. that I know naming their kids like Sky. What? What? The, where did you get that from? Like, at least if you get it from a movie, it makes sense. Like, like, mm-hmm. like Keith. <laughs> no. Whoa. Screw you. That's a little personal. Screw you all the keys out there. <laughs> Jeez. I o- I only know Keith. three keys. I I feel attacked right now. And I, my name's not <laughs> even Keith. <laughs> I feel I What feel about attacked. what about Zachary? What a, what a name. <laughs> no, it's a terrible name. You don't want to name your kid Zachary. He turns into an asshole every time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, going back to Middle Earth, though, <laughs> uh, then you were talking about how Frodo's just a kid. I did a quick Google search, and apparently he's actually 33 years old, if you can believe that. Really? <laughs> really? He's, I can believe it. He, I mean, okay, but by Hobbit standards, that is still rather he's young. He's still an adolescent. Like what, t- teenager? He, he's still, yeah. I mean, look at his uncle. His uncle's 111, and he's still full yeah. of life. So yeah, by well, by he those... also has the ring. Yeah, he does kind of start to age a bit more, but even then, a hundred and eleven by Bilbo's standards looks like about what eighty eighty five by human standards. I'd say yeah. less than that. I mean, whoever. I mean, he looks he looks pretty good. He, he looks like, pretty good for a hundred eleven. Like six sixty eight, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when he's got the ring, but once he gets to Rivendell, he kind of takes on a few wrinkles and becomes. Once a bit he gets slower. to Rivendell, he has to wear a cane. He's got much grayer hair. He's, yeah. You know. Well, that's because of the ring, right? The ring. Right. The the ring. Ring. That's the what we're saying is that's... the power of the ring is now left him, and he's starting to look his age a bit more. 
But even then, mm. that's still closer to the 85 realm by human standards, even though he's 111. Well, it's funny. It's yeah. funny. It makes him look better and prolongs his life, but it mm-hmm. makes Gollum look really bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's, <laughs> well, I, I have a question, though. It affected him in a different right. way. Is Gollum supposed to be human? No. Uh, hold on. It is, Boy, quoted. is that his spoilers? spoilers? That's, a, that's spoilers? a definite spoiler. Okay, okay, that, okay. That, I'll, 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 okay. I'll shut my mouth. I'll shut my mouth. Don't I, answer it. Well, I think we get the I think we get the backstory in the We Return get the backstory the in the first episode of The Return of the King. But the question is, is is that part of the extended? No. No, that's the theatrical. Okay. That's okay. the theatrical? Okay. No, it's in the theatrical. That, and, no, I and, remember and that And for story. those who are wondering, guess we are, at least I did, I watched the theatrical version. It's the only version I've seen. Of this movie, yeah, okay. um, yeah, we 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 well, we decided we decided very early on that theatrical was best just to kind of ease him into the franchise, and yeah. mm-hmm. it leaves the door open for somewhere down the road, a year or two from now, for us to do a extended discussion, exactly, mm-hmm. where we bring out the 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 Hobbit extended edition and the Lord of the Rings extended edition, and we just go off on all twelve hours total of 24 if you're doing all six films total of 24 Yowza. hours of Dang. content you could you could literally just spend an entire day watching middle earth back to back what's to back to back funny back. is i mean this movie is two and almost three hours long two hour two hours and 58 minutes almost three hours long the extended edition is three plus it's mm-hmm. closer to four yeah it's closer to four so if yeah. I was like, if you just sat me down without any knowledge and just told me to watch this movie, I and Nina asked me later, was that the extended edition? I would have said yes because this movie's <laughs> long. I mean, it's long, <laughs> and but it's hard to imagine that there's actually a longer version of this movie. It's crazy, but you know, I feel like mm-hmm. I mean, just simple logic. Me being very ignorant of this whole franchise, like I feel like the theatrical is a good way to kind of go into it i kind of because we did blade runner last year and i was like oh i want to see the the theatrical version i think i ended up doing that but it was it was kind of hard to get my hands on it um but i was like Mm -hmm. i want to see what people actually saw in the theaters way back when like that that's kind of what thing i want to get that experience and then if you're into it and i'm into it i go back and watch the extended editions and that's you just get more out of Mm it um i think you know because getting someone to sit down for a four-hour movie i mean it's hard enough to get people to watch Star Wars sometimes, <laughs> you know, but Lord of the Rings, I can imagine, like, the the gymnastics you have to go through to actually get someone to, like, this is good, sit down for three hours and watch this! <laughs> Jeez. Yep. Yeah, so, another Google search. It's doing me a lot of benefits tonight while Google you guys are is conversing. Your I'm, Google is my best friend, and now Google's going to be giving me a lot of cookie advertisements for Smeagol and Lord of the Rings and stuff <laughs> like that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it is uh, about 178 minutes on the theatrical cut, 208 minutes for uh, the extended edition of The Fellowship of the Ring. Damn. The longest extended edition is Return of the King. There's mm-hmm. 200 minutes to the theatrical and 251 for the extended. I, I, think, hmm. it, I think it adds like three endings to the already six there are. Good. <laughs> yes. Yep. Did Goodness. did they ever show the extended edition in theaters? Um, here, uh, at least locally, I know that right before the first Hobbit movie came out, um, they did in the theaters. There was a, a massive theater by where we were living, and they did show all three in one night, oh my God. like the night before. 
and like hundreds of people showed up and they every theater in that there's like i think 16 theaters and just in that building and everyone was showing lord of the rings for a full day that sounds like the most amazing party people were going with in with blankets and like pillows and stuff and like spending the day there and it was amazing and i'd never got to do it because i was in school at the time but it was because i'm thinking like this is like the this is like the length of these movies like rivals like gone with the wind and Gone with the Wind has an intermission. Like, you know, that, I'm, I'm just thinking about how amazing that would be to do that. Mm-hmm. It would be, like, the best, like, w- like watching it with all those people reacting to the same things for, like, 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh here's, here's, yeah. something, here's something to think about is we're just a few years away from the 20th anniversary. That's insane. That's crazy. Oh, I remember... My first experience, I was like three, and we were going to the theater, and I remember the only scene that I remember that night was the Mines of Moria when Sam is hitting all the goblins with the frying pan, and he's like, I think I'm getting the hang of this. That's all I remember, <laughs> and that was like my first attachment. I was like, yes, I love oh, yeah, this. Yeah, for the, the 20th, they they got to re-release it. Mm-hmm. Like would, with a golden edition? Oh, yeah. I would think so. They're good. They've got I would to. Think so. And see, that would well, – mm-hmm. that's the thing that I always think about is like why isn't there more theaters that – <clears throat> excuse me. They're showing older movies. Like, I would kill to see this movie on a big screen. Like, or any of these movies. Or any other movie that we talk about on this show because, you know, I'm watching it 20 years late because that's me. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like, it's it's amazing. So that would be... I might have to to do that myself once they break. They're going to bring it back at theaters. They have to. They have Mm -hmm. to. Well, you know what I'm excited for is this year is the... 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am going to huh. go see Jurassic Park when they do some sort of special edition re-release at the time of its original release date, and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of watching the T-Rex eat the praiser on the big mm-hmm. screen. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to geek the frick out. It's just, I mean, that. the theater experience is just... is so great, and there's so many movies that you grow up watching... You never had a chance. You know, I, I've never seen the original Star Wars in a theater. I'd love to do that, but I, I was born, you know, 15, 20 years late. Like, <laughs> just like, a little I see some, Like, Back to the Future. Back to the Future would be such a fun one to see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, when, uh, when Episode Nine comes out, I, I'm going to – I fully intend to do what I have not done for any other – movie any other franchise i'm gonna find a theater that's showing all of them together and i'm gonna watch mm-hmm. force awakens the last jedi and episode nine back to back to back Dude. i want to do, we we need to do that i mean we're planning on where we're gonna do episode nine pod anyways so let's just factor that into the equation we get there early enough for when they start doing those daytime releases where you start watching the force awakens at like 1 p.m or something and then you watch The Last Jedi right after that, and then around 7 p.m. when it's finally time for Episode Nine, you just stay in that theater and you watch Episode Nine right after that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wanted, wanted to wanted do that, to... and it really it actually, con- looking back on it, it would have been really cool to watch Force Awakens and then Last Jedi. Um, just yeah. the yeah, fact of really you know cool. those movies are so close together, and you know it could happen with Episode Nine. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's going to be. Weren't you like? Go ahead, Jake. Weren't you? Uh... Right before Last Jedi came out, like f- like three or four days before, you went to Best Buy and got uh, four, five, and six. 
yeah. on Blu-ray. And you, you came home, you're like frothing at the mouth. You're like, I'm going to watch them all. I'm going to watch them all. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, as much as I love Star Wars, it boggles my mind how long I've gone without actually owning my own copy so mm-hmm. i was like well this is a great excuse yeah. and i did i watched return of the jedi Je- i mean i because i had seen it oh, i'm sorry <laughs> no return <laughs> of the jedi is amazing but it's uh, like if you watch return of the jedi and yeah the force awakens but especially the last jedi right after return of the mm-hmm. jedi th- those are like really the two closest times you see Luke as a character with dialogue and things. And it's yeah. really, yeah, it was something uh, really fun that I did with my, my, my parents actually is we went back and after, after rogue one, I was like insisting like, Oh, we got to go. We've got to watch a new hope right after rogue one because it's ties I, in so well. And it was helping them understand like, yes. okay, where this movie actually fits in and how amazing it ties in with the original films. So we did that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a fascinating experience because I got to revisit with them because I had seen the movies, they had introduced me to the movies, but actually I hadn't seen them with the movies, you know, seen the movies with them, I should say, for, you know, for years yes. and years and years. So, uh, yeah. And uh, why are we talking about this? <laughs> because we're, we were saying that it would add to the experience to be able to see all of this stuff on the big screen and i agree now one thing that i'm not as enthusiastic about seeing on the big screen if i were ever to get the opportunity is that sequence in the shire before they get to brie where the hobbits encounter the ring wraiths yeah oh my gosh when i saw this sequence when i saw them yelling to to get off the road to hide underneath mm-hmm. the tree and he just kind of peers over and and his armored hand that doesn't really look like it has anything underneath the armor starts peering over and the bugs start like hiding in the ground they're just running away from whatever the hell this is mm-hmm. like oh my There's gosh an aura of death i almost peed my pants not gonna lie <laughs> it, like it's it's if you creepy. ever wanted something that was super intense, just immediate intensity right off the bat, go find yourself a ring wraith. Holy crap. Those things now, are the there, There's nothing that distracts a ring wraith like a bag of mushrooms. Uh, you know what uh, I mean? I mean, he's a stoner. What can you say? He's, he's like, ooh, mushrooms. Yeah, they, like, he, he takes the helmet off. Why did I say that in a He takes the helmet off. like, dude, look what I found. It's a mushroom. I didn't. I didn't find a. I didn't find a mush. I, I didn't find a ring. I'm here to kill the hobbits, but I. I go for the mushrooms. But, but look! Look what I found. I didn't find a ring, but look what I found. Now there's so many rings. I could reach out and touch them. I know, like Sauron has like an eye, but like, but like, what? Like, why do we have? Why, why don't why don't we have face like a face? Why why does why, Sauron have a why does have Sauron has a eye? What's, I don't know what's going on. If 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 Sauron has an eye, does that make us his fingers? <laughs> <laughs> he goes into the other ring rings. Yeah, I, I was just thinking like, are we like one hand? Like we're like five fingers of Sauron's hand. We are the hand of Sauron. We are the. I never really felt this deeply about my connection to Sauron, and my loyalty to him. Pass the shrooms, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, I mean, it was enough, and then a few of them ended up catching up to them, and they have to, like, jump for the ferry, and I know that chase scenes can be kind of cliche at times, but this one wasn't to me, because mm-hmm. you've, you've got your primary character, who is literally in mortal danger within the first 45 minutes of the movie, like... Way just, to go for it. <laughs> just right off the bat, you're like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? If he dies, mm-hmm. what do you do? And because Frodo is so used to, let's face it, it's basically suburban life for Middle Earth. Yeah. Like, he's been he's been living the quiet life. He's been living the, the low-key life for so long that he's not used to any of this. Mm-hmm. He gets more and more used to it as the movie goes on, as the franchise continues. But right now, he's just he just looks lost. And mm-hmm. his literal expression, Elijah Wood, just constantly looks like a deer in the headlights anyway. But Frodo just <laughs> literally looks like a deer in the headlights for the most part in this movie because he has no idea what the heck is going on. And mm-hmm. he doesn't really yeah. grasp mm-hmm. how important all of this is or how important it is that he be the one that sees this mission through. Over time, I think he finally realizes the importance of this responsibility falling to him because he's one of the few who can actually take it. You know, uh, he he offers it to Gandalf at one point. He offers it to Galadriel at one point. He uh, he has it requested by Boromir. Like he's just he wants it. He's chasing after it. The wraiths are going after it. There's hordes of goblins chasing him down at one point. I think by the end of this film, he realizes just how important it is that he be the one that takes care of it because anybody else that tries to touch it or come to pass with it could potentially end up using it for the wrong reasons. <clears throat> yeah. Like they, the, the the one of the cool aspects of the storytelling with with Frodo's character is that he is the purest of heart among anyone else in his fellowship. Right. Mm-hmm. He he's got this pure innocence about him, where everybody recognizes that he is the one that you know they they say it at the fellowship table at uh, at the at the council meeting. You carried the fate of us all. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just sitting there thinking somebody's got to step up and say no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. But in all honesty, he's literally carrying the weight of the world throughout the course mm-hmm. of this franchise, and I I just can't imagine that sort of thing falling to me. Like if I was given that kind of responsibility, I'd just bury it in the ground the way he wanted yeah, to dig at a the hole and bury it. Yeah. yeah, and just forget about it the way he wanted to. Unfortunately, but Gollum it, got it, in the way, but you I know. feel like it. No matter what, though, no matter what you did to try and hide it, it would always be discovered. Because, mm-hmm. like uh, Gandalf said, it wants it wants to be, to be found. found. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yep. That's that's the interesting part is that throughout the first movie, especially when it's established, it's established that the ring in and of itself is a character in this movie. Yes. It's not just these actual people walking and talking. This ring is a character. It's, it's a literal, literal embodiment of uh, Sauron and his evilness and his spirit. And, and I don't know if this is in the extended version or not, but there's a point where Frodo and Gandalf are at the table talking. And at one point the ring speaks and they whispers, both notice it. Yeah. It whispers a few times. Uh, yeah. It whispers to Aragorn at one point. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it whispers to Galadriel when they're in the woods. And that's part of the reason why she's like, I passed the test. Like, the ring called to me, and I didn't take it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's got this weird sentience to it that, you're right, makes it one of the characters, even though it doesn't necessarily... Does it get a credit, like, in the end credits, or it's like, the ring is voiced by such and such a person? Yes. <laughs> Actually, hold on, let me check, because I, th- I believe there is. Oh, my Uh-oh. gosh. See, that's that's one of the other things that you really, really have to suspend your disbelief with a movie like this in in the context of, you know, you've got this, it's it's basically medieval times, you know, it's way, way, way back when compared to what we face as far it's as... It's not even medieval times, it's a completely al- like alternate universe where yeah. all of these yeah, 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 things... But to find something that's comparable, the, the armor, the use of of horses, the kind of castles and keeps and, and the, the hierarchy that they've got, the monarchy with kings overruling lands, the closest, most comparable thing you could come up with is medieval times. And that's well, part of what makes it so timeless is you don't see computers or cars or cell phones or anything like that in this franchise, which allows it to stand the test of time, which is why we can praise it 17 years later is because we can't say anything about this movie is truly very dated. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting part. One thing I think about with Lord of the Rings and like things like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and things are like, yeah, it, you, you think of it as this like realm or this country or whatever, but do you ever think of it as being on like a planet? Like what planet is it on? Is it on a planet? Is it like, is it on some sort of flat world somewhere? Like how, how does that work i don't yeah. know yeah before we move on that this is straight from imdb's website is the voice of the ring is credited to alan howard who played the voice of the ring in all three movies wow wow Good so job, alan. the ring is literally a character literally yes. has an actor behind the ring like literally 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 <laughs> um so one thing that i want to talk to you guys about is you know ben i know you haven't seen the other two movies yet so i'm trying to keep it as spoiler free as possible but going back to the wraiths and their prominence in this movie you see them chasing after frodo you see them assaulting brie you see them chasing after aragorn you you see that yeah that was actually a really cool scene that deception was really really well done very well mm-hmm. edited too mm-hmm. because when you see like sam rolling over in his sleep and then you see yeah. them cutting to them raising their swords you hear him gasp when they stab into the beds like you think holy crap did they find them and mm-hmm. then they cut away and show that they're safely somewhere else well, what i like, what oh, i was thinking of that gosh. entire scene like okay how are they sleeping through all this like, even, like, <laughs> I, I, if I had, I would never sleep, like, ever for the rest of my life if I had those things chasing me. Yeah. I'd have so much adrenaline pumping, I wouldn't be mm. able to sleep. Mm-hmm. No. I, well, they eat, like, five meals a day. All that weight, you know, <laughs> causes them to get tired. I guess. I guess. I don't know. But it, did did you guys find it jarring or or different or weird that they kind of switched baddies in the middle of this movie where you go from the wraiths chasing after the ring 
to Saruman's army finally being formed and they become like the prominent issue in the second half of the film after the fellowship is established. Like, I, I guess it makes sense that you need to have a larger horde because there's a larger group now. But it also just felt kind of weird that as soon as Arwen used her spell to wash them away down the river, that was almost the last that we saw of the race for the entire movie, wasn't it? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Like when they get swept up in the in the horses. Yeah. The yeah. water horses. Yeah. When when awesome they when they when they get caught up with the with the water horses in the river, once you get to Rivendale it kind of transitions from the wraiths chasing after the ring to Saruman's army chasing after the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, to me, that that wasn't that confusing because I knew and through different people's, you know, senses and, and through different people's storytelling, they're all part of the same team. They're all a part of uh, the conquest to track down and find the ring. And I, f- right. I think that, you know, I, I looked at the ring wraiths as more like a team of assassins you know what I mean? And it, I was it's, thinking it's scouts. That sounds. I was yeah, scouts, scouts, assassins. What about so. scout assassins? <laughs> okay, scout assassins. <laughs> Did any of you guys ever play Age of Empires on the computer? No, I I did for a short short period. Oh, man, see, I keep thinking of the scout cavalry that that you use in Age of Empires. Oh my gosh, that was one of Microsoft's best games. Not going to lie. It was such an amazing, amazing game, and I still play it to this day. I've got a PC, like a little Toshiba PC, that I can actually put a CD into. (laughs) You know, I use a tablet. I use a tablet for most anything, and then there are some, like, MacBook Airs and things like that that aren't CD compatible anymore, and I'm like, why? But I, I still play that game when I've got the time because it is such a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And couldn't you go like up through the different time periods and stuff? Um, that that was that was a different game. They do have different ages. You start in the Dark Ages and you work your way up to something called the Imperial Age. Oh, okay. But it was more, um, it was it was more about conquest and less about technology. Gotcha. Um, the graphics were not amazing, but they were steady. They were consistent. And that was one of the things that I really appreciated about it because when Age of Empires 3 came about, the graphics and the frame rate became so intense that you couldn't play it on a casual PC. Yeah. Like, it just got way, way too convoluted and and really, really hard for a a typical PC to keep up with. So I always played Age of Empires 2, the Conqueror's Expansion Pack. That was one of the best computer games I ever played oh, in my that life. Was that similar but, to, like, Empire War? Like, the kind of overhead kind of... It, it's 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 an overhead kind of a, a third-person game. Not exactly... Like a, in the in the vein of, like, StarCraft or something. To a degree. Um, I haven't that, played that StarCraft type. enough. I, um, the only Basically, thing... Basically, you controlling a bunch of people at a time and mining for things and building up buildings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very similar. And one of the things that you do is when you're first starting out the game, the only part of the map you're able to see is the place where your people are. Yeah. Unless unless you change the settings when you start the game or whatever. But for the most part, you have to scout out the terrain. You have to figure out where your opponents are. You have to figure out where those different elements that you can mine are. And you use 
a horseman to go scout out the terrain because he's got the widest visual acuity. Yeah. And I always pictured the wraiths as more like the scout cavalry from Age of Empires 2 because you kind of have an idea of where the ring is and, and you feel it calling out to you, but you kind of have to track down where this stuff is. And if you're capable of doing something, then go ahead and try. But if mm-hmm. not, now you know where to go and you can send your armies in after it. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with this movie is the Wraith scouted out where the ring was now, went to the Shire, tried to find the Baggins home, tried to find Bilbo, couldn't quite get to him, couldn't quite get to Frodo. And now that they have an idea of where he is and potentially where he's headed, that's where the hordes come into play. So, so you, what you're saying is you are the Sauron of Age of Empires. You were, yeah, you were basically. the evil conqueror of that whatever world that you were trying to conquer. Basically. Man, I've got a new appreciation for this game. I didn't yeah. know you had it in you. <laughs> i got to go back and play this from the perspective of the eye and just be like, go now. The Age of Man is over. Really awesome game, though. Like Age of Empires, but like Lord of the Rings edition. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh man. See, that's one of the reasons why I'm so sad that game got discontinued. You can't even play it online anymore. They only have the offline mode now, and I'm so mad. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's probably best saved for another discussion. One of these days, I'm going to have to actually like play you guys or something like that at this game. Or, or we both play it at the same time because now that we have uh, XSplit Broadcaster, I can do like a picture-in-picture kind of thing and actually project like my screen onto Facebook Live or something like that. Nice. And people can like basically watch us play like people do on Twitch and things like that. That'd be great. So that, that could be a thing one of these days, possibly. Mm-hmm. But going back to Lord of the Rings. After the wraiths disappear, you end up in Rivendell, and that's where the Fellowship is formed. What did you guys think of Rivendell? Because I just saw it again last night, and I actually have a couple of complaints. Really? I think my first... uh, See, without... Well, I might have to. I am a huge music lover, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm... huge into cinematic albums and you know once a movie comes out and I like the music I'll download it immediately when I get in the car and like that kind of thing and I think that just like all the other movies that exist you know if the shots are correct and if the um, scenes are correct that's great but 50% of the movie is the music behind it and it gives you a feeling it gives you a special um, moment, you know, and when I think of the first scenes at Rivendell, or you know, in Rivendell from a a far off hill, where they're looking at all of it, you know, I can hear the music in my head, and that makes it even better, in my opinion. I don't know any any uh, complaints that I have, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, I would say Rivendell is the closest thing. That you see to heaven on earth. I like when Frodo 
first week because Disney wake up there mm-hmm. in Rivendell, sees Gandalf and stuff. It it's such a it feels like how I imagine heaven to be, mm-hmm. and the elves in elven culture and things. It, it's such like a refined, uh, graceful, uh, so like. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just very fine. Everything is fine, finely crafted, finely presented. It's very wispy. W- wispy, <laughs> yeah. Um, bright sunlight, the trees, the water, everything is beautiful yeah. and gorgeous. Yeah. And I, I love Rivendell aesthetically. See, it's the aesthetic that I'm having a little issue with now that I've seen it again. When when Frodo gets up from his bed and goes to take a look around, they everything else that I see in this movie looks like those overhead shots that we mentioned earlier where you get a great view of the landscape and everything. But the landscape views that they give at Rivendell are very compact. As, mm-hmm. Aside from maybe one overhead shot, a lot of their shots are very compact. And because of that, it becomes that much more obvious that they're on set. Yeah. Yeah, I, guess I can see where you're coming I, from. I could see that. Um, but you're wrong. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. no, I'm not. No, I, <laughs> I, no, I can definitely see where you're coming from, but I never, I don't think I've ever thought that like i i'm definitely drawn in by the illusion like I, it never mm-hmm. felt like a i'm, to me, I'm drawn in by the music i'm drawn in by the characters i'm drawn in by how peaceful everything feels compared to the peaceful chaos universe, that we just yeah. experienced mm-hmm. it's it's very serene i absolutely agree to that but I, I have a – like this is probably the one part in the whole movie compared to the, the concept of sentient rings and fireworks <laughs> that turn into dragons and, you know – Magic, the, man. Magic. You know, reviving dead elves and using them for your army. Out of all these things, the one thing that I have the hardest time suspending my disbelief on is the existence of an actual Rivendell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because <laughs> well, everything else looks so real, and everything that I see at Rivendell looks like a set. The bedroom looks like a set. When Frodo walks outside, it looks like a set. The council chambers look like a set. Everything well, I mean, looks very it, theatrical. It, 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 it is a set. I know, but they don't <laughs> it hide is a it. Set. They don't hide it. I think they hide it pretty well. I, like to, uh, to, to me, me, not hiding it would be like, well, there's the cardboard holding up the the you know like the, the elves chair. Okay, or okay, fair fair enough, fair enough. That it could have been a lot worse. I will give you that. It could have been a lot more blatant. But out of everything else in the whole movie, all of the other areas didn't look quite so blatantly like a set. They didn't quite look like they had cordoned off a section of this area or anything like that. Like. You can tell that this experience is happening indoors. And when I caught on to that this time around, I had a harder time enjoying it. Now, what I'm curious about is going back to The Hobbit, because Mm -hmm. they visit Rivendell in The Hobbit movies. 
I was and I want to I want to do like a comparison contrast now and see what the visit to Rivendell with Bilbo looks like compared to the Rivendell visit with Frodo. See if they do yeah, anything I, different. I I I will say I don't know Andy back me up on this unless you disagree. But um, <laughs> would you say that in the Hobbit, Rivendell is better visually represented? Like, there's different angles. They come from a different true. avenue. They don't come from the classic, you know. Or the classic, well, the path that they would normally go on. They come from the side of the mountain. Um, there's different shots. There's different overhead shots. There's you always have an establishing shot of the hall, though, right? Right, like the right. valley, like right. in Lord of the Rings or in Fellowship and yeah. in the Hobbit. But but that's the thing is that in the Lord of the Rings, it starts with Frodo being in a bed and then waking up and then going out and seeing it. In the Hobbit, it starts with starting way back, you know, two three hundred yards away, seeing and everything, it. and you're approaching it, and it, there's a yeah. different aspect to it. So yeah. I do think that um, from, you know, my point of view, and I, I could talk hours about my, uh, you know, thoughts about The Hobbit, um, <laughs> but just Rivendell in general for both movies, I think that they, I had the same feeling going into both and looking at both mm-hmm. scenes. Um, the lighting was very much the same. Um, the music was the same, but it didn't make me go, hmm, one looked like a set and one looked like not a set like that i didn't go in thinking but like i zach i totally see where you're coming from as far as like in pretty much any of the other shots that you see like any setting or whatever it's it's like wow this was filmed in like the new zealand it's, countryside. it's yeah it's very it's very outdoors it's very immersive but the stuff that you see uh in the council chambers and in the in the halls where they're examining uh, isn't Isildur's sword on mm-hmm. display? Yeah, yep. yeah. Like all of those different sequences just feel very blatantly indoors to me. That that doesn't yeah. detract from the creation of the fellowship happens in those council chambers. It's, it's still a beautiful of, place. It, it's beautiful and it's one of the best scenes of the whole movie because everybody's starting to, you know, understand what's at stake here and they're putting aside their differences you know Gimli goes from I'll be dead before I see the ring in the hands of an elf to saying I will fight alongside an elf to protect this halfling you know all of that happens in the span of a few minutes in those council Mm -hmm. chambers absolutely there are some amazing things amazing sequences that happen in Rivendell but you have my sword you You have have my my bow you have my axe no, so he good. says, and my axe. And my you're not axe. A, you're not a fan, I'm not Jake. a true fan. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's guys. all I can think about in that scene is, you have my bow. You have my axe. And it's Gimli holding up a bottle of axe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've uh, seen one that's like a musical version where it's like... Uh, you have my axe. No, no, no. Um, where, where Legolas says, you have my bow, and it turns out to be... A violin bow, <laughs> and then they cut, they cut to to Gimli, and he says, "And my socks." <laughs> oh There's a whole version of that scene that I've seen before, where it, they they basically, you know, where they'll like do a video, they'll like take the sound out, and then they'll subtitle it with whatever they want to settle it. And yeah. I think it's re-edited. I'm not, I have to find it somewhere, but it's really funny because, it's like, of course, they they completely botch the whole scene, and it's you know. Zach, instead of you have my sword, does he say you have my cord and strums a guitar? Go to go to the group chat and you will find out. 
I literally, I literally just found this chat? image and sent it to you guys. Yeah, our group chat for tonight's episode is called the Fellowship of the Brotherhood, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it's I think it's very appropriate. So in the top <laughs> in the top panel, Frodo says, "I will take the gig to Mordor." And Aragorn says, you have my cord. And then Legolas has a picture of him photoshopped holding a violin. He goes, and my bow. And then Gimli, in with his, with his pipe, he's going, and my socks. <laughs> oh, that's going to end up on the IPC Facebook page one of these uh, short time from now, probably. Right go now. Find us there on, yeah, go find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ipcpodcast. You're going to find that meme. Go follow us on Twitter at ipcpodcast. You'll probably find it there. Who knows? It may end up on our Instagram if it'll fit. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about the creation of the Fellowship and also the fact that this is where that infamous one does not simply walk into Mordor meme comes to place. Um, for starters, can, can, can I just say... Sean Bean deserves a movie where he actually has a good day, <laughs> and he doesn't die. <laughs> where he doesn't get his head cut off. Or See, that's what that's what sucks about it. Because I knew as soon as Sean Bean shows up, I'm like, crap, he's gonna die. Like, but, but, I, but <laughs> you know, is he gonna die in this one? Is it gonna be the next movie? Like, and then he gets that <laughs> crap, scene. He's gonna die. Like in that scene, the next movie. Like, there's no point when he gets like an arrow. It's just like, oh crap, he's a goner. Like, it's it. That's this is it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. One of the only on... movies I've seen him in that he doesn't die is National Treasure. He just goes to jail. Wait. Oh yeah, he does just go to jail. Sean yeah. Bean's in National Treasure. Yeah, he's yeah. the bad guy. He's the bad guy in the oh first National gosh. Treasure. Wow, I gotta go back and watch I have that. To I've been avoiding it because I, I I've been avoiding oh, it because so Nicolas Cage, but uh, no, he's, no, 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 he's no. great he's in those good movies. He's fantastic. Movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, one of these days I'm gonna have to talk to y'all on the air about the time that I pranked my housemates with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh wait is it the one where you left him around the house yes that's the yeah. one i think it's a story for another day yeah a story best saved for another day because the story that we're telling is the creation of the fellowship with sean bean playing boromir and you've got the introduction of legolas and gimli and oh my gosh this casting is phenomenal one of the best mm-hmm. or- orlando bloom john reese davies Viggo Mortensen, Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Sean Bean. Like, holy crap. If you just gave me the cast list, I'd be like, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. Like, it's it's one yep. of those movies where you just have to list off the names, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, show me this movie. You watch the council scene in Rivendale, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, how much talent isn't just in this one scene? Like, I'm not sure if there's been – there's probably been very few, if any, scenes in other movies where there's that many, like, just phenomenal actors in one scene together. And I I would like to point out, I found this out a number of weeks ago. I don't know if you guys know this or not, um, but Orlando Bloom was in quite a few TV shows before the time, but I'm going to blow your minds here. Um, <laughs> this is the first theatrical movie that Orlando Bloom was in. What? Was The Lord of the Rings. Yep, I found what? that out, like, two or three weeks ago. Wait, I need to. I need Unless to, I was trolled, you like lie. Crazy, I need but... to confirm. No, no, no. This I is. I, I heard this, and I was like, "Wait, hold on." I'm. I'm. I am DBing. Well, it gave him a lot of exposure and a lot of popularity, and uh, not too long after that, he appeared in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, which is another great. 
We have done a Pirates of the Caribbean discussion. If you guys want to listen to us talk about Orlando Bloom in depth, <laughs> depth, <laughs> pirate movie, in depth. <laughs> if you want to hear us do an in-depth discussion of Pirates of the Caribbean, you can find that on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. But uh, go back to what number, what number, what number, what number was it? Um, episodes uh, 142 through 144 and then 146 through something. Yeah, that range. Just go back and find them. Just look for the 140s. Wow, was that really 30-something weeks ago? Yeah. More than that. Wow. More than that because we took like two weeks yeah, off. Yeah, because we took a couple of weeks. Yeah, we took a couple of weeks off for the holiday. Yeah, that was probably close to 35, almost 40 weeks ago. It's been almost a year since we talked Pirates of the Caribbean. That's crazy. Oh, my God. So believe it or not, I according to IMDb, it is a fact that it was his first theatrical film. Oh, man. Little brother, how does that feel actually being right for once? <laughs> well, I'm right all the time. Jake just doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Facts. hilarious. Okay, so the Fellowship is created in Rivendell. They head out and try and figure out how they're actually going to reach their destination. Their different pathways, their different options kind of get obstructed a time or two. Uh, Saruman tries to intervene and block off their primary pathway, so they turn around and head back towards Moria. And, uh, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, well, this will be safe passage Gimli's bragging about his relatives and how amazing <laughs> this little excursion's going to be they walk in and you know the archangel of death himself Sean Bean looks around and goes this is this is this is no what do you say it's not a cave no mine. It's a, this is a tomb it's no mine it's a tomb I thought he said cave for some reason I was like no. what is he says this mine. is no mine this is a tomb and uh, it like just all of a sudden you've got this odd sense of impending doom and you're like oh crap they <laughs> just they just walked into something totally worse than a mountain collapsing on them and i gotta say aside from the wraith that put his hand over the tree and came dangerously close to just sniffing the hobbits this whole sequence is probably the most intense sequence of the entire movie for me mm-hmm. yeah. you've got the unknown You've got uh, the, the the cave troll, which was pretty cool. Yeah. You've yeah. got the the hordes of goblins that are chasing after them. You've got the Balrog. You've got the the open bridges and the open staircases that lead to nothingness. You've got the enormous pillars that must have taken centuries, if not millennia, to actually carve and achieve all of its splendor and glory. Like oh City my gosh! Which I, I want to know something. Mm-hmm. What, what did Ben? What did you think of the Balrog? I mean, I saw it coming. I'm you know I'm I'm yeah. again memes. You shall not pass. Like I <laughs> knew that was coming, but really, really cool. I mean, like basically a yeah. demon, I guess. Like what whatever yeah. he is supposed to be. Like yeah, cool. Yep, yeah, he's a demon. A the, demon of the ancient world. That Yeah, I was about to say, that's what Gandalf called him, was a demon of the ancient world. So previous ages, previous times, those guys walked the earth, walked Middle Earth like it was nobody's business. Mm-hmm. It was commonplace to see them. Wouldn't the one terrifying, thing, like looking out your window and seeing like three of them in the distance? Like, oh holy gosh. crap. It's like, uh, crap, it's a hunting party. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> 
yeah, no, I would not want to be caught on Middle Earth with one of those things. Now, one thing that I did find interesting was why didn't Sauron try and recruit more of them? You know, if Saruman yeah. can can reawaken, reanimate the, the the deceased elves of his realm, why mm-hmm. can't Sauron reach out to more Balrogs and bring them up from the depths of Middle Earth and use them for his conquest? His his connection doesn't go that far underground. <laughs> so it's a drilling it's a drilling <laughs> <His> problem. <Wi-Fi. laughs> right. His Wi Fi connection does not yeah. go that far underground. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a cop out to me, but <laughs> He was tired. He's an old man. <laughs> but speaking of amazing CGI that's right there in your face, the Balrog. Like, this just... Mm-hmm. Man, he's not just a creature. He's got the flames coming out of him and oh, just man. all over, it, like, amazing. Yeah. So, in, in animation, one of the most expensive and difficult things to make look good is fake fire. And you can't tell that that fire is fake. Mm-hmm. It looks like... And if like, you can, it's very hard to tell. Like, it, extremely hard to tell. I, I would say the one scene that I was like, eh, is when Gandalf is walking and all of a sudden the flames shoot out from the ground. It looks like they're coming out of, like, little... Little vents. Little vents in, <sighs> the, in the floor. Yeah. But when you see the Balrog, it's like, yeah. that thing is made out of fire and rock. Like, there's... Yeah. That, that thing looks amazing. You know what the Balrog reminded me of? Let me guess. Sure. Actually, I have no guesses. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, go for it, man. If you can actually do this, by all means, help yourself. I, 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 I couldn't even begin. It. Uh, so I know it came out five years before this happened, but I can definitely tell that there was a lot of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking of, what is it, season two, series two of Doctor Who. <gasps> yes. The duology of the impossible planet and the Satan pit. The Satan pit, yep. Oh, the, man. The creature the... from the Satan pit reminded me oh, a that... lot of the Balrog. That huge monster down there? Well, the... yeah. I th- wouldn't That that came out af- way after Lord of the Rings, though. It was uh, yeah, like, it uh... came out five years after. It was made in 06. After. Yeah, okay, okay. But I bet you there was inspiration there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to find the image now because I want to do like a actual comparison. Most of it just sad, kind of a lot a lot of this that. a lot of this is based off of just memories, but oh my gosh, holy crap. That is the stuff of nightmares right there. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm going to have to do like side-by-side images or something like that because yeah, the the Satan pit definitely reminds me of the Balrog. A little a little more skin and a little less flames, but there's definitely a lot of hearkenings in there for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I've got a question for you guys. This is something that I recognized uh, as I was watching this movie again last night. And mm. you guys can, can correct me on this if you want to, but I don't believe that the creatures in Moria are affiliated with Sauron. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they are either. Are you? Are you talking about the ones that the the goblins, the 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 creatures? Yeah, that they. Okay, but here's the deal: there are goblins that serve Sauron and Saruman. We see them in ensuing episodes. We see them in ensuing yeah. movies. There are creatures of that sort that do serve the Dark Lord. But I think I think these guys were just 
ones that live there, like the ones that are just like infested in the walls and things that are just there. See, that's that's the vibe that I got this time around. Every other time that I've watched this, I just assumed that they were associated with Sauron, that they were a part of Saruman's army that were sent after the ring. They were very intentional with the whole cave troll thing, sending in, like, a scout party to try and, you know, take them out, that kind of thing. It felt very systematic. It felt very coordinated. And I thought, well, the only way that that could be happening is if it was a coordinated attack with the intent of getting getting the, the ring back. But then I remembered a couple of things. One, I thought back to uh, The Hobbit and the fact that you know, goblins like to live in mountainous areas. Mm-hmm. And there's a very, very good chance that the dwarves of Moria had been battling those goblins off and on for years, if not decades, and the goblins just finally mounted a strong enough attack that they actually succeeded. Two, yeah. two, and this is the biggest, most important point, is when Saruman gives his hordes the instructions to go after this fellowship that has left Rivendell, he says, bring me the halflings alive. They have something I want. Mm -hmm. The cave troll stabs Frodo Mm -hmm. and believes to have killed him. If it wasn't for the Mithril, it should have killed him. Yeah. Yeah. If those goblins were working for Saruman then they would not have unleashed the cave troll the way that they did with the potential to kill the halflings. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So that's that's the biggest argument. That's the biggest case point. I can make as far as are they affiliated with Sauron? And the other one being they run at the first sign of danger. Mm-hmm. As soon as the Balrog starts approaching, they're out of there. Yep. Yeah. So I really think more along the lines of what you're thinking, Jake, is they are natives of the mountain, and as soon as they realize that something bigger and stronger than them is coming their way, they run. They run instead yeah. of attack. And I feel like I feel like if you know the goblins of Moria did have allegiance to Sauron and Saruman, you would Gandalf would kind of know because he's just that smart. You know, he'd be like, "Yeah, it's possible for, you know, him to have influence over or something." It's it's a, you know, he he mentions many times before they even enter it that you know, it's we have to be quiet and it's a. He says when they're in there, it's a four day journey to the other side and, you know, when Pippin drops the bucket through the well and it makes a lot of noise, you know, their whole quest to get through there without being heard is damaged, and you know. I feel like I don't know. I just I get the vibe that Gandalf would have known. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how he's a smart guy. He's smart enough to know that, and I, I don't know. That's that's just kind of. But I I think I, I agree with the fact that the goblins are not uh, affiliated with the overall quest to to get the ring. I, I think, think they're, they're just, just there. naturally jerks. They're just, <laughs> like, they're just naturally jerks. It's like you're you're uh, you're in our home. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, some strangers on the on the front lawn. Yeah. We're 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 attacking you because you're trespassing. Right. right. That's that's what this is all about. Get it's not about the ring. Get off our land. <laughs> Get off my lawn. They're, they're literally the hillbillies of Lord of the Rings. They're, this mine ain't big enough for the two of us. <laughs> this mine ain't big enough for the two. Of us. Oh dear. Oh dear me. 
Okay, well, let's talk about um, the You Shall Not Pass sequence. Yeah. Mm. Sure, turns out to be one of the biggest moments of the whole movie. Very I had a big teacher su- tell me that one time. Very, very <laughs> big. I, I can't believe yeah. that Gandalf's being such a big character that they would kill him off so quickly. I mean, I thought he was gonna be. Yeah. I thought he was gonna last longer in this in these movies, but just killing him off yeah. like they did. It really just shocking. I can't believe we're never gonna see him again. Yeah, never ever. Yeah, never once. Never gonna see Gandalf the Grey again. I'll say that. Yeah, Gandalf the Grey is gone. Yep. And uh, that that proves to be very very impactful, very emotional and and really helps with this uh this climax of the film because now everybody has kind of trust issues a little bit. Like everybody kind of has a group mom to a certain extent. Like whatever mm-hmm. crew you're a part of, there's always <laughs> like that one that keeps everybody together. It's like, okay, you go over here and you go over here. We're going to take my car, leave your car. My car, leave your car. Ready? <laughs> Gandalf okay. was the group group mom. Gandalf was the group mom. through the mind. And after (laughs) he leaves the scene, things kind of start to fall apart. Mm -hmm. He was the glue that was holding the fellowship together. And after he gets shafted, um, everybody kind of starts to splinter off and go their own different directions. And, and I mean, that's what leads to the big showdown at the end of the movie is, you know, they, they kind of start to have some division when they're in the forest with Galadriel. What is it? What is that place called? Lothlorien? Lothlorien, Lothlorien yep. Yeah. Lothlorien, yeah. Her realm was closer to paradise to me than Rivendell was. But yeah. Well, if you have a tree the size of the Empire State it, Building, I'm sure that would be pretty In a okay, but dark I, way. Like, there was there – was, I don't know. There was some sort of darkness about Lothlorien that I found really. I've, like, I've also got settling. just a little bit of a celebrity crush on Kate Blanchett. Not gonna. Oh lie. yeah. Um, had or have? Uh, had. After seeing Thor uh, Ragnarok, I kind of lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people uh, they were turned on to Kate Blanchett with Thor Ragnarok. Okay, okay, don't don't get me wrong. She did a phenomenal <laughs> job. Like, I felt like she played her part really well in that movie. It's just, mm. that wasn't my favorite part of the movie. I like my yeah, girls bad. <laughs> there's Naughty there's boy. a lot there's a lot of Lord of the Rings alumni that have ended up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'll just, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll just put it at that. In Thor uh, Ragnarok, you got two. Yeah, you've got a couple of them. That's true. And uh, Ben has not seen the other two movies yet, so we can't give away who I'm it is. I'm sure I already know. Or Thor, or Thor Ragnarok, or any other movie for that matter. He's never mm. seen a movie. What's a movie? Yeah, can't. What's a movie? <laughs> What's a movie? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So many thoughts. So many things that I could say. Uh, any <laughs> thoughts Any thoughts from you guys on Lothlorien before we get to the, the final sequence of the night? Um, I thought Lothlorien visually kind of represented what Galadriel was as a character. I can uh, see that. she's both beautiful and she's got a dark side. You see when she's tempted with the ring that she kind of goes, like, nuts for a second. And just, like, with the lighting and the architecture and things, it really felt like it reflected Galadriel. Yeah, it, it's like, like, like you said, like, it's similar to the other place where it's like heaven but it's this it's darker like literally like yeah. it's it's very it's got this kind of unsettling ness to it and then you, you you could tell the characters are not too comfortable with this they hear 
voices in their head talking to them. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, not a comforting experience, especially after the lost Gandalf. Like, they're, they're all really shaken mm-hmm. up by that. And to go to this place that isn't, isn't that, that is welcoming, but isn't that inviting and yeah. is not, you know, they're not too comfortable with it. Um, and then, she, you know, this, this, this whole thing with her being this kind of seemingly shady character that is, you know, you don't know which way she's going to go. And then she, she flips her lid, you know, with uh, seeing the ring. Like, and that's the whole thing mm. about the ring. And something I was going to mention earlier was, like you saying, that Gandalf really was kind of the glue for this thing. He, I think he also may have been kind of, you know, he's a wizard. And he is, yeah. you know, he can understand and defend against threats like the ring better than they can. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, if he'd been there, maybe, you know, you have, you know, later on, uh, Sean B's character, you know tries to, you know, get the ring from Frodo. Like, you know, would that have happened had Gandalf been there? Like, you know, it seemed like he was kind of protecting mm-hmm. them from this thing and able to understand it, whereas when Gandalf's gone, they're just fending for themselves. They don't really understand what they're dealing with, much less being able to actually defend against it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I feel like, like, Barmir's self-control like he he's probably always had like this longing for the ring Mm -hmm. but as soon as gandalf leaves the picture he feels like he can take advantage of an opportunity now Mm -hmm. he doesn't have gandalf looking over frodo's shoulder anymore and so now there's a better chance for him to be able to take advantage of that i guess for sure is the way that i always pictured it because his his persona really really starts to deteriorate starting in lothlorien and then when you get to uh, to the shores um what what is it called what what what, what what's the, the shoreline the gray havens is that where they're at okay see that's the other thing is my geography is still way off wait get okay ask me the question again okay so after they take off from Lothlorien they go down right. a river once they get to shore and they start setting up camp before they head across to the uh, east side okay. where are they that's not the Grey Havens. I feel really dumb for saying that. Um, is this something Galing? Oh, Galen? I know this. Something to that. Part it's, it's something having to do with the two gigantic statues with their hands I, pointing mm-hmm. out. It has something to do with that. But I, I, I feel bad. I don't know Parth, the name of Parth Galen, remember. isn't it? Parth Galen? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, asking, Galen. I'm not saying this. I'm asking you because I have no freaking idea. <laughs> I'm Googling it. And yeah, I'm a Google. See, Google's yeah. been our best friend tonight. Like, this IPC podcast episode has been sponsored by Google. For all of your Lord of the Rings relevant searches, be sure to use Google and not Bing. Right. Yeah, they did not pay me to say that. I'm just being sarcastic. But we are looking for we are looking for patrons. If you want to be part of our patron program, please give us a ring. Ha ha ha! It's it's called Argonoth. 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 Okay. That I do was have a, a really great ring. pun, you guys. Come on. <laughs> no, I laughed. I thought that was funny. I just it, not that. Haha! Give him a ring. Ha ha! See, now I got groupies. I like this. This is cool. <laughs> Zach's the if funniest you, person in the world. Ha <laughs> If you if you want to be part of our patron program, then reach out to us at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know that you want to be part of it. We will be launching it soon. One of the first things we'll be launching is this thing called the Peacekeeper Core, 
which gives you inside information to future discussion topics and gives you top billing for our top five episodes, which we will be doing on a more consistent and regular basis. So be sure to reach out and let us know if you want to be part of that because uh, we're going to be taking names, reaching out to you on a personal level very shortly so that we can uh, get that ball rolling. And speaking of rolling, I was trying to get to this last sequence as quickly as we could because I knew his time was running out. We're going to have to roll Mr. Hart out for just a little while here, probably the rest of the episode, actually, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. But, uh, Ben, take us through that last sequence, what stood out to you the most, and your final thoughts before you sign off for the night. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a great scene, and it's, it's, you know, really kind of amazing how you kind of, more than once in this film, you feel this kind of overwhelming sense to these characters you see this you know giant army of orcs and there's just few people and they're even down less people now when you get down to the the final kind of climax scene where they're fighting these and you know they don't they don't all come out of this you know they're they're some of them are dead some of them are captured and you know everyone's split up and you know as i said this very kind of hopelessness to the thing but at the same time very hopeful very you know Frodo has grown to, you know, from being this kind of just this kid that's, you know, just have just being a kid, just being his own self, goes from that to being thrust into this mission and then taking on the mission willingly. And then, but, you know, with this fellowship that's meant to protect him. And then by the end of it, he's willing to take it on him completely by himself. Even when Samwise yeah. is trying to go with him, who is like, you know, no dude, you know, Gandalf told me to stick with you and I'm going to stay with you. And that's the, you know, the whole thing is, um, but, you know, he was going to go by himself. And because he's the one of the few people that isn't affected by the ring, which is fascinating. Um, just the whole thing of like it can literally, you know, it's it's they go through the mine and all the stuff's happening. And then at the end of that, they're still at each other's throats because of their, uh, you know, the whole thing with the, the ring. So really fascinating. And I, I did like the ending. The ending really intrigued me probably more than anything about the film, just the fact of, like I said, I want to see where it goes. I, I, I'm i genuinely interested. Like, it's a cliffhanger. Like, you, yeah. these characters are left out in the, in the open. Like, Let's go hunt some orcs. Like, yes, that sounds awesome. I want to see that. So, you know, I'm very much looking forward to next week or next few days, actually, when I get to watch um, The Two Towers and and uh, see how it goes. So, uh, and as far as final thoughts, like, great movie. Just a great movie. I'm looking forward to watching it again, hopefully with the uh, extended cuts and getting into yes, seeing thank you. what actually I missed. Because you know, as I said, it's it's a slow burn. It's you know, it's it's it takes it takes its time, and you know, yeah. I think any other any other type movie wouldn't have taken that time. It would have been cut down to like two hours max. But they studio interference. They took the time, and I, I appreciate that because you know, a lot of times it's too quick. Sometimes with these movies, they don't let you live in this universe and experience it and just enjoy it. I think that's something that's really important of, you know, in a film that is in a universe that is so deep and so dense and there's so much going on. There's so many different cultures and different characters and stuff like that. It's also enriched 
by the experience. So, you know, I think overall, just a fantastic movie. Like I said, I'm very, very intrigued. I want to see this. I want to see The Hobbit. I'm like, give me more. So that's all I can really expect it, that I want to see more. And that's kind of, that's a thumbs up for me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, before you go, this is something new that we are looking to initiate in 2018 here on the IPC podcast. And I'm kind of throwing you a curveball because we didn't talk about this before the show started, but Uh-oh. I just <laughs> I just realized it like right here, right now. One of the new things we're looking to do is do kind of like what uh, Phantom Fraternity does and get a film score from the hosts and from the audience so that we can have an aggregated percentage rating from ourselves rather than from something like Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're doing something called an IPC Planet Score. And okay. basically we're getting on a scale of 1 to 10 planets – what rating do you give the movie? <laughs> nice. Hmm. Fellowship of the Ring, Ben, out of ten planets, what's your planet now, score? Now, which planets, which planets do I use? Jupiter, or, I mean, does, 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 uh... O- only Pluto. Pizza does planet. Pl- do Pluto doesn't even count. <laughs> he, is he even a planet? Is it even still a planet? Um, oh, man, that's, that's hard. That is really hard, because, because mm, I feel like, like... I I really really like the film. I don't want to say like I'm being totally honest here. I'm not sure I just totally am in love with it. I'm I'm more intrigued if anything. Give, give it time. You, you got to give it time. time. You know, it's it's a lot to take in. So you know, it took me what eight times to to love the Last Jedi. So you know, it happens with these <laughs> movies. Um, but like overall, I would give it probably an eight, solid eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An it's better than I thought of, you were going to give it. An 8 out of 10 planet score. All right. If you are listening live in the chat, there's still a few of you left. Be sure to send us your planet score as well, and we'll do an average of what rating you give it. This is something that we're going to look at doing on a weekly basis, but only for those who listen live. You cannot send it after the episode. You cannot send it through iTunes, Google Play, or whatever. This is a new incentive that we're initiating in order to try and get more live listeners here on our Friday night episodes. So if you're listening live here on Mixler, send us your planet score of Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. We will total them and give our average results in just a little while. Ben, I know you've got to head out. We'll get the planet scores from everybody else towards the end of the episode. Thank you for being a part of this. We're sorry that you don't get to discuss uh, barbecue. Maybe we'll do a double dip of barbecue stuff next week while yeah, you're I'll, here. I'll, I'll definitely be here next week, and we'll we'll, we'll discuss that in uh, more detail. I'm going to be able to stick around for that. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, appreciate uh, both Andrew and Jake for stopping by and, and, and covering for me. Now that I have to leave. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to, as I said, the rest of this arc experiencing. And this is the best way I know to watch a movie and enjoy a movie is watching it and then getting to talk about it with you and hash it all out and enhancing the experience, especially with people <laughs> like Andrew and Jake who are such massive fans of it. Like, you know, <laughs> I look at other franchises and go, like, I – I'm not as into that as maybe I'd want to be, but, like, I appreciate when people are super into stuff that I don't get yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that that encourages me, like, hey, this is going to click with me. I just need to keep going. Yep. 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 And we're going to keep going next week and the week after that, and who knows what happens after that. But 
This is just the beginning of our journey into Middle Earth, and Ben, we're looking forward to continuing that journey with you next week. Until then, man, have a great weekend. Right, thank you very much. Talk to you guys See later. See you, man. See you. That was Mr. Benjamin Hart of the IPC and the SWU. Make sure that you go follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ben Hart with no E. Uh, he's on all the different social media platforms, just like IPC now is. You can find us as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the username at IPC Podcast. Be sure to give us a follow, uh, give us a rate and review on iTunes, all that good stuff. We'll kind of do our little bit of closing stuff towards the end of the episode. We're not quite done yet, but we are pretty close to final thoughts. Guys, let's talk about this finale before we get into our last little tidbits for the evening. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this final fight scene and how it leaves you heading into the next episode? Um... You know, obviously when you grow close to a character and then you see them die, it's not something that, you know, you're like, oh, okay. You know, you have an emotional attachment by this point, even if it's a small one, and you're left either A, crying, or B, cheering, or C, kind of in between. And I I don't think I've ever felt that much of an emotional attachment to Baromir, I've always thought of him as more of a jerk. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, you know, I can see how this would be sad for Aragorn. Of course, you know, he tears up near the end and um, there's a there's a scene after he dies and after the, you know, orcs leave with Merry and Pippin and, uh, you know, Aragorn takes uh, the gauntlets that Baromir had and he puts them on and in the special features uh it was there was no dialogue leading up to that but it was very much like okay this guy that I've had conflict with before has just died in front of me but I'm going to honor him by wearing his armor I don't necessarily understand that but I get how that could be an honorable thing to do and even though I didn't get along with this guy even though I didn't you know agree with him and everything he's still very honorable and he still you know died protecting and taking the place because Aragorn wasn't necessarily by the hobbits when this was all happening mm-hmm. um, so there was a kind of a I think I think there was some guilt with Aragorn and maybe he felt like it was kind of his fault because he wasn't in the area um, but overall just the whole fight scene in general very emotional very hard to watch seeing your two favorite hobbits being tied up and taken away. And, uh, yeah, man, so many thoughts, so many emotions for me. Cause I, I knew I had to build a detachment from Sean Bean as soon as I saw him. <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. I was, I was kind of along the lines that Ben was, is like, Oh crap. Well, I know he's going to die, but it's a matter yeah. of when and how, yeah. not if, and so with that, I had to, like, build myself up emotionally to mm-hmm. to be prepared for whenever this happens, whatever happens. When the first arrow went through him, I thought, oh, that's it. It's <laughs> right in the heart region. This is yeah. this is the end. And then he gave, like, a second effort. He, he, he somehow presented himself with such adrenaline yeah. that you could tell – that he wasn't pumping on blood. He was just pumping on emotion. He was pumping on energy. He was doing whatever he could to take out as many of those orcs with him before he was done. 
the second one hits, and I was like, oh, crap, what are you <laughs> doing to me? Ah. Oh. By the time the third one hit, it felt like one of them had struck me. Yeah. I was yep. just like, oh, what is this? How can you do this to one person? Like, you mm-hmm. didn't just kill him once. You're killing him three times. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my gosh. And every time it happened, a little bit more of my attachment to Baramir, to Sean Bean's character, presented itself just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a mark of really good acting on Sean Bean's part. Yep. I, I got to give him credit where credit is due. He's a phenomenal actor, and he was able to help people draw attachment and then, you know, a, a, a sense of loss in what is essentially half of a movie. He wasn't even in it for the full film. Mm-hmm. Like he he jumped in where the where the council existed and was was able to present himself. In a way that does come across as a bit of a jerk, maybe misguided, maybe confused, maybe selfish, maybe ambitious. He's got all these different things that you could potentially use as a way to describe or interpret his character. But nonetheless, losing anybody from this fellowship feels like you're losing a part of the cohesiveness, a part of the team. And losing him and having Pippin and Mary get kidnapped, having Frodo and Sam going off by themselves... You know, the the three warriors that remain seem to lament the fact that, you know, this fellowship isn't really a fellowship anymore. Gandalf's mm-hmm. gone, Boromir's dead, Frodo's left with the ring, Samwise who knows where, and the other two halflings are just kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it doesn't feel quite like a fellowship anymore. And yet, at the same time, you also have that sense of excitement and that sense of adventure when, when Aragorn says, "Let's hunt some orc," I yeah. was like, "I was like, yeah, <laughs> if if we, if we can't be the Fellowship anymore, then you know, let's do that." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Jake, final thoughts, man. Man, uh, yeah, the battle was good. It was like a great. It was a great, not too emotionally heavy but still emotionally heavy way to end this first movie. Um, and well choreographed. Well choreographed, for sure. You, you, Like you said, you felt every arrow that pierced Baromir. And, you, I mean, you knew he was done, but he, he, I think he does seem like a jerk throughout, but when you get to that fight scene and he's just taking arrows and fighting for his friends and for Frodo, you see his true colors shine, and that's what really saves the character. And when he's laying there uh, in Aragorn's arms and they're talking, uh, you just really see the... uh, the morality in him and you see the the kindness and and uh his, his true uh desire for good and um and uh yeah, I thought it was a great way to to end his character. Ah, an unfortunate end to uh to to Baromir's character but Definitely not the last that we've seen of Gondor, which proves very interesting down the road. But 
I'm not going to give away too many spoilers because we've just got too much more to cover in these next couple of weeks, and it's going to be freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. But while it's on my mind and while we're not too far away from discussing it with Ben, let's go ahead and do planet scores from you guys. Uh, Andrew, you are probably the closest thing we could have to a guest on the show. Jake's (laughs) been an infrequent regular for the last couple of years now, so I'm going to toss it to you first. Out of ten planets, what kind of planet score do you give the Fellowship of the Ring? Um, I'm trying to look at this movie as a singular unit. I'm not trying to look at it so far as a trilogy, um, because I've seen the trilogy multiple times. I'm not going to judge my score based on that. Yeah. Um, specifically from the Fellowship of the Ring, um, just the constructive building of the movie from simple hobbit life to a, a war in next to the side of a river people are dying left and right and you know everybody's got blood on them and it's just everything's in pieces it does a very very good job at building characters it does a very very good job at um killing off characters it does a great job at tugging on your heartstrings emotionally and getting you excited for things and i think that my honest uh Score would probably out of ten, I want to say nine point five. If I can do the point five, if I had to do a single, I would just say nine. Um, I do think it has its moments where it's like, eh, okay, that could have been cleaned up a little bit in the CG area. I think for the time in two thousand one, it was great. Um, I don't think people would have looked twice and gone, hmm, there's better CGI than that. You know, it's just not what was happening back then. And I think that for its time and for what it gave you, definitely nine. I think that's fair. I I think I I'm I'm still kind of torn on the whole decimal point system because we did that on Phantom Fraternity and it turned into <laughs> stuff like I give this movie a, a eight point two five and I'm like son <laughs> of a son of a gun. Then I'll just cut out that and just say nine solid nine. <laughs> yeah, I I think I'd like to start with solid numbers and then see what happens from there. But mm-hmm. I I definitely get I definitely get where you're coming from. Yeah. For its time, it was groundbreaking. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. groundbreaking. And this this entire series was just I, – I, I can't choose any other word besides groundbreaking because it, it was just so meaningful and impactful as far as CGI is concerned, as far as length of a film is concerned, as far as storytelling, characters, costuming, music, scenery. Like time after time after time, they just set a new tone. And this movie was the one that became the trendsetter for that. That was the one that got that ball rolling. So I I definitely I definitely think that's a fair assessment. Jake, what about you? What planet score do you give Fellowship of the Ring? Uh, I have to agree. I'd give it a solid nine. You know, I, <clears throat> I, I don't think I can give it a ten just based on principle. Like, I don't think any movie is truly a perfect 10 there's always at least a little flaw here or there but you know any anything in here is minimal um few nitpicks here and there but overall i i this is a fantastic film it's a fantastic intro to this world it's a fantastic way to set up a a plot that's gonna cover you know the course of another two movies uh great way to introduce characters um 
stakes are high and it's a well-crafted, well-acted, uh, well-everything movie. It, it, <laughs> that's the only way I can describe it. It's wonderful. I give it No, that's... Eye. That's very fair. That's very fair. As far as finding stuff to critique, there's hardly anything to critique about this movie. Yeah. I mean, cinematically, I'm not going to talk about how it correlates to the books because I'm sure there are people out there that have complaints about how similar or different it is from the book. But cinematically, there are very few, if any, complaints that you could have about this movie. Yeah. You know, the one critique that I gave was over a few sequences that I saw during one scene in Rivendell, you know? Like, everything else was breathtaking and phenomenal and very well done. So, you know, you two guys convinced me. I was going to give it an 8. I I was going to go with Ben and say, like, it's a good movie, but also knowing some of the other movies that we're going to talk about, also knowing, you know, the context of the trilogy as a whole, you know, who knows? I may end up giving 9s to all the movies. I, I I, I I don't know. I, I really can't say for certain right now, but I'm going to go with the crowd, and I'm going to give it a 9 as well. So there's a total of 40 possible points we can get from these four uh, speakers that were on the show tonight. The 8 from Ben and the three nines from us make it a, pos- a total of 35 out of a possible 40, which means our host planet score for Fellowship of the Ring is 87.5%. Nice. Hmm. That's, nice. That's a good score. So, I think I think that's a very decent score and a very good way to start off 2018. If you have a planet score, if you're listening live, send us your planet score out of 10. We've already gotten one from our friend Francisco. If you're still with us, go ahead and hop into the chat. Send us your planet score out of 10. We will add it to our audience total. You have until the end of the episode. As soon as we hit the outro music, that is the official cutoff for the planet score. So... Go ahead and send that to us this evening, and uh, we actually have something really cool set up for you guys next. Now that we've gone through final thoughts, it's time to go into some other segments that we have here. Andy, this is one that's, uh, that we talked about a little bit during pre-show, trying to get ready for things. Uh, unfortunately, on you guys' end, you're not going to be able to hear anything, but for those of you that are listening on iTunes, for those of you that are listening on Mixler... You guys now get to actually hear a sequence from Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, We lovingly call it the quote of the night. We discuss several different possibilities because there are just so many great sequences in this movie. There are so many quote-worthy things in this movie. We talked about the council. We talked about Galadriel's monologue. We talked about the final conversation between Frodo and Sam at the end of the movie. From beginning to end, there are just so many things that are so quotable. But the one that we selected follows fan favorite Ian McKellen and Gandalf in the minds of Moria speaking to Frodo about Gollum and about making the most of the time that you've got. But I'm not going to stand on pomp and circumstance. I'm not going to try and say everything that they said. I'm just going to let you have a listen. So for the next uh, two and a half minutes, folks, just enjoy tonight's Quote of the night. There's something down there. It's Gollum. Gollum. He's been following us for three days. 
He escaped the dungeons of Baradur. Escaped? Or was set loose? And now the ring has drawn him here. He will never be rid of his need for it. He hates and loves the ring. As he hates and loves himself. Smeagol's life is a sad story. Yes, Smeagol, he was once called. Before the ring found him. Before it drove him mad. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Many that lived deserved death. And some that died deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise can assume enemies. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet, for good or ill. Before this is over. The pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of me. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring. In which case, you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. I just love that interaction. I, particularly because... I also know the context now, having read the book and having seen the Hobbit movies. There's a particular sequence where Bilbo's trying to escape, and he's got the ring on, and Gollum is looking for him, and he's got his blade right next to Gollum's throat. Mm -hmm. And he's got the opportunity to kill him, but he doesn't. Yeah, And then you hear Gandalf speaking in this sequence where he says it was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. That's the moment that they're talking about there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to talk about that when we actually do talk about the Hobbit films. But that was one of the coolest tie-ins that they made in the entire Hobbit series of movies, in my opinion, was getting to see that actual moment where you see the the pity in Bilbo's eyes as he's looking into uh into Gollum's eyes through the ring and you you recognize that that's the sequence that they're talking about here in the fellowship and then Gandalf's advice to make the most of the time that's given to you i mean that's just solid advice to anybody not just a ring bearer like that's mm-hmm. stuff that that i mean that that's stuff that i would want to hear if i had a mentor you know yeah, Gan- Gandalf was was just a phenomenal mentor overall, and uh, you could definitely tell by the last few sequences, the last few moments of the movie, that he was sorely missed by everyone in the group. For sure. Oh man, <sighs> I have a hard time coming off of that emotional <laughs> high, you know, uh, of getting to talk about this movie, the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs. 
But there's still one more sequence of the IPC podcast that has been a long-standing sequence that has stood the test of time. Even though we are running short on time, we still need to try and get this little bit in. And honestly, this is going to be a really fun one, in my opinion. This is going to be a really, really fun sequence to talk about. But if you're listening live, it's time to start putting everybody's favorite hashtag in the chat. If you are listening on social media, or that would be cool. Wouldn't that be cool if we went, like, Twitter Live one of these days or something like that? That would be really cool. If you're listening on iTunes or Podbean or Google Play or any of the other different outlets you can find us on, then get on to social media and start putting it there. Put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram, because we are at all three of those places at IPC Podcast. And we use this hashtag on all those different platforms. That's right, folks. It's time, one more time, for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 So tonight's BBQ watch is pretty straightforward compared to some of the other creative ones that we've had to do over the years. I can literally say over the years now because we've been on the (laughs) air for a couple of years now. That's a really, really weird sequence to say. That's a really weird thing to say. That's surreal, yeah. It's really, really weird. But hey, I mean, we've had over 170 different types of barbecue watches. I don't think I know anybody else in the history of ever has been able to come up with 170 <laughs> separate barbecue-related conversations. Like, we are on a roll, guys. I'm just saying. Yep. I'm just saying. Tonight's sequence is going to be really, really easy to talk about, though, because we basically get to experience this during the first few moments of Fellowship of the Ring. I want to talk to you guys about the potential of having a barbecue at the Shire. <laughs> well... I know the turnout would be huge. I mean, it would look at be all the, amazing. Look at all the people that went to Bilbo's party. So mm-hmm. all Bilbo has to do is go, "Hey, we're having a barbecue. Bring and your Gandalf's pig. bringing fireworks." <laughs> yep. It'd be, I mean, honestly, it'd be like a Fourth of July party. It really could be. It would be like a giant cookout kind of thing, and everybody's hanging out down by the lake, and people are swapping stories and stuff. Hanging out in a van down by the river. (laughs) I mean, Bilbo's stories kind of came full circle. This is one of the other things that I recognized, and I I didn't get a chance to talk about during during the actual discussion of the movie. But when they're having that party and that cookout and whatever in the Shire, he's talking about the three trolls that turned to stone, which is another mm-hmm. tie-in to the, to the Hobbit movies that they make, which was really well done. Well done. But did anybody notice that while they're in the woods with Aragorn before they get intercepted by Arwen, there are three statues behind them while they're digging for the herbs that's going to slow Frodo's... Uh, infection yeah, those, those are the trolls yeah. it's the, the trolls. three trolls i never noticed that until yesterday i've yeah. watched this movie goodness knows how many times but i just then put the pieces of the puzzle together that those are the three the three yeah. trolls okay, remember when that, uh 
when Frodo wakes up and Sam's like, look, Mr. Frodo, it's Mr. Bilbo's trolls. He says that? Or is that yeah. in an extended version? Maybe it is in the extended. I've never seen the actual theatrical version, so like all the way through. I think that, it might be the extended version, yeah. That may be an extended edition thing. I'm they got to lots go of letters watch... like, who, who, are the, who are the things behind them? Is that Mr. Gonna... So, in the, so in the theatrical version, they cut it together. Yeah, yeah, in the theatrical, they're just kind of there, and then yeah. they... Uh, they go off looking for the herbs, the healing herbs, and then they get intercepted by Arwen, and you go into the sequence of arguing over who's the better writer and who's more qualified to take Frodo into mm-hmm. Rivendale. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to go. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the extended sequence now because that that had ne- I'd never put the pieces of that puzzle together before because everybody's so focused on Frodo that you don't really maybe pay a whole lot of attention to the background as much. Yeah. I'm telling you, the extended adds a lot to the, yeah, a lot a to the story. Lot. There's like it's a lot of little little holes that get filled in. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. So, yeah, going back to barbecue at the Shire, I would definitely be that guy that is on the grill. <laughs> I want to be I want to be the grill master at a barbecue at the Shire. Yep. You know, give me give me two or three grills and let me just multitask <laughs> and just be dishing out burgers and hot dogs and and chicken tenderloins and that kind of thing to people just left and right, left and right and you know, be on hand for when the fireworks get set off just to help have another pair of eyes keeping an eye on making sure people like Pippin and Mary aren't <laughs> getting into it. What what about this? Balrog burgers. Oh my goodness! <laughs> how? <laughs> how? How? How do you eat a cliff? <laughs> how do you eat a Balrog? I don't know. One bite at a time. That's right. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like a, that's like the Middle Earth version of how do you eat an elephant? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No, I mean, I'm, I, I'm also just thinking, I would love to just be in a place that resembles the Shire in general. Mm-hmm. You know? You can like, jump on a plane and go to New Zealand. They have the entire Shire set up. Okay, I don't want to go that far. I was actually thinking of the next <laughs> state over. <laughs> I actually did some digging, and, and not too long ago I discovered that there is a getaway resort-type place in northern Arkansas mm-hmm. that everything that they have there is either a recreated hobbit hole or a treehouse. Wow. Those are the only two options you have when you're staying at this resort. You can I'm, either stay I'm my in now. You can either stay in the hobbit hole or you can stay in this giant elaborate treehouse. Wow. That's all they have on the entire property. Hmm. And I'm just sitting there going, "Um, hello, I could spend an entire weekend in a hobbit hole. Thank you very much." <laughs> It's got, like, a king-size bed. It's meant to be, like, for romantic getaways. It's not exactly, like, a family experience kind of thing. Mm. But it's got, like, a king-size bed and a jacuzzi. And it's got, like, a a mini kitchen and a big screen TV. And the doorway is rounded off just like hobbit holes are. And you've got, like, this porch balcony kind of thing that overlooks the forest that that, that they've got the property in. Hmm. And the pictures that I saw were just glorious so i'm thinking that may be a vacation destination one of these days because i want to actually be in a hobbit hole dang it i don't care (laughs) if i hit my head on the cross beams the way gandalf did which wasn't scripted by the way great Mm -hmm. stuff i love it ian mckellen just acted his way through it and peter jackson kept it in the cut 
Yeah. It's great. I was so I was so surprised but also impressed by that. Like if I bump my head like that, I'd be cursing up a storm and they'd be <laughs> like, "Okay, cut. We got to do this again." But <laughs> Serene McKellen just played right through it and I was so impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, yeah, I would be the grill master at the barbecue at a Shire. Yeah. Uh, I just, just give me a grill and let me flip some burgers onto people's plates as they're walking by like a giant assembly line kind of thing. And it, here's here's the other thing. Did we ever see hobbits eating meat or discussing eating meat? Um, you talking about at the party? At the party or just in general because – There was a lot of ale drinking. That's all yes. I remember. But not meat not, not meat there, eating. There was, there was a lot of ale drinking and there was a lot of agriculture – Mm. A lot of farmers and and cabbage and mushrooms and carrots and corn and that kind of thing. Maybe they're all but vegetarians. <laughs> I that's that's what I'm getting at. I don't know. I honestly don't know off the top of my head if if hobbits are vegetarians. If they are, then I'm definitely not going to the Shire. Well, because... well that's actually not true because in the Hobbit movie, Martin Freeman eats fish, and so... Sam likes to eat nice crispy bacon. Yes, that's true. That is true. Sam likes nice crispy bacon, but that is something we'll have to talk about in the next movie because he's definitely a big fan of potatoes. We know that. So at the very least, potatoes. At the very least, we could have barbecue potatoes with Sam, and who knows? Maybe that is our uh, our discussion for next week. I may have just come up with next week's barbecue watch (laughs) by talking about this week's. Oh man, that is so cool. Okay, well, while I'm basking in the glory of that. Uh, why don't you fellas tell us where the folks at home can find you on social media and any projects you may be working on? Yeah. Um, Andy, you can start. Yeah, uh, I have an Instagram. It's – is it – do you say at yep, when at, you do this? Okay. Yep. At Damon underscore Andy. That's really all I got. It's quite the plug. <laughs> um, I also have an Instagram. It's uh, at Jake W. Damon. I do a lot of artwork over there. If you need anything done, let me know. We can work something out. Oh, yeah, out. you did a centaur recently. Yes, by request, by your request. He <laughs> <laughs> wanted to see how I, love... I could combine, like, a head with, like, the basic anatomy of a of a centaur horse thing. And, I mean, I think I, I, I did an okay it job. It came out really good, man. I Here's the deal. I just really enjoy being able to stretch and challenge people. And <laughs> you you rose to the occasion big it was, time, man. It was definitely a challenge. But if you'd like to see what uh, what we're talking about, just go go check out my Instagram, at Jake W. Damon. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Jake Damon. Very simple, very straightforward. And, uh... A lot easier than all the stuff I'm about to dish out for you folks. So <laughs> buckle up, because we've got all the different plugs coming your way. We've done a few of them scattered throughout the episode, something that we're trying to integrate a little bit more. But this is your last call. Go find us on Facebook, Twitter, and now officially on Instagram at IPC Podcast. You can find Ben on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well at Ben Hart with no E. Spell that out phonetically and you will find him. B-E-N-H-A-R-T with no letter E at the end. You'll figure it out. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. You can find all of our previous episodes, well, I'd say about 95% of them anyway, on our Podbean. That is pod, like podcast, bean, like green bean, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. 
You can also find our most recent episodes on StarWarsUnderworld.com, which just also happens to be your number one source for news, rumors, release dates, updated information, and much more from the Star Wars universe. Go follow them at StarWarsUnderworld.com and make sure to go find us on iTunes and Google Play. Give us a subscription, leave us a rate and review so that we can continue to improve this show for you and do the best possible programming that we can. We're always open to feedback, we're always open to new ideas, and possibly bringing back old ideas that maybe got forgotten. Who knows? Whatever you are looking for in a podcast, we hope to be that for you, and we also hope that you will join us next week. Again, Jake, Andy, cannot thank you guys enough for joining us and sticking it out. I know it's after 1 a.m. out there on the (laughs) East Coast. You guys battled through, you gutted it out for us, and we really appreciate you sticking with us and having an awesome discussion tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. But I do believe that that is going to do it for this episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. For Benjamin Hart, who has already stepped aside, and for Andy and Jake Damon, I'm Zach Arnold saying that episode 177 is now officially in the books. Thank you for listening. We hope that you'll join us next week. But before then, we just want to leave you with this thought. A true heart should never be doubted. We have no doubt that we're going to see you true hearts next week on IPC. Until then, good night, everyone. Precious.